Blog Talk Radio. According to a couple reports, Keith Eidick 
is one of those. Coppinger is one as well that kind of broke the news, I believe. And when we say news, it's not official yet. We've seen a variety of things with this, um, with Canelo in general, because remember last fall, or actually last end of the summer, in August, I believe the Canelo and Plant fight fell apart. Then he maybe was going to fight Bivol, they talked about, but then they ended up fighting. So who knows? I mean, you know, that 168 to 175, I mean, if you keep bouncing up and down, there might be an issue there. I know he's fought there or above 168, what, twice or just once. What did he fight Rocky at? Was that actually his first fight at actual 168? I know he fought Chavez Jr. at a catchweight. I think it was like 164 or something like that. I don't know. But if you bounce up and down, up and down, there is some kind of like, hmm, you know. I mean, hey, more power to you. Fighting Bibble, that's a that's a tough style for Canelo. Tough style for anybody at that matter. We know Joe Smith hurt him late, but he didn't do much uh, at all after that, right? So to me, you know, I like I like it. I like it if this is true. But I'll say this. I've always said this. I think he should just get the 168. Like, if I was managing him, I would just let him get the 168 out of the way, then go up to 178 or 175 and be up there and just be up there, you know. You could fight um, Golovkin. You could fight Charlo. You could fight Benavides. And then move up, I guess you could say, for good. But – if he feels comfortable doing it, more power to him. Those are two tough fights, especially, I think, the Bivol fight. A lot of people favor Canelo, I guess you could say, especially at 168, which Golovkin really hasn't fought at, um, at a high level anyway. So I would be happy. I'm happy with Charlo, Bivol, Golovkin. Like I said, I'm not down on that Golovkin fight per se. I mean, a lot of people are. I'm not, just because, like I said, they already gave us two great fights. I can't sit there and now be like, oh, what the hell is this, you know? Um, but it is, it's a risky fight. That Bivol fight is very risky. Um, it does look like the zone, uh, at least from the reports financially from Coppinger, um, we don't know if that's, you know, exact or whatever, of course, but uh, it does look like they, they said, you know what? We're going to take a swing at it. And that Bivol fight might be a lot. I mean, it's got a good chance to be a loss if we're being Bivol fight if it's on pay-per-view. But maybe they just think overall it's such an investment that Golovkin fight will be so big. And it's not, I mean, they can get signups off of it. That's what I'm going to, that's what I'm wondering. That's what I'm wondering. Like, are they going to, because they've done, um, they've offered a pay-per-view, you know, pretty much a full pay-per-view version of Canelo's fights before. And I think the first one was like four months or three months free with the zone of subscription. I think the last one he did was like two months, if I remember correctly. But that was, if you had a subscription to the zone, you were going to watch the fight for free. This is something different. So if they're going to do this, it kind of makes me wonder what I should do here in a couple of months. I'm going to have to re-up, give them my hundred dollars. That's what, 833, I think. Uh, uh, a month, which is a great deal for hardcore fight fans. Awesome deal. However, if they're going to charge pay-per-views now, something that they, you know, they deserve criticism for because they made a big thing about killing pay-per-view and, and pay-per-view is dead. Like I said, I'm not surprised it's not pay-per-view, but a lot 
lot of folks um, will be, and they'll be like, well, it'll go two ways. Some of the people that aren't necessarily overly biased will be like, wait a second, I, you know, and they'll be disappointed. Wait a second, you told us that it was dead, it was going to die. You don't believe in it, right? You're the bang for buck value thing, which they have been. Some people will just be like, well, they have to because it's, you know, the, the worth of everything and the revenue. That's the only way they can make these fights, you know, um, and make, you know, that go that reasoning route, which was always probably the route when it comes to big, big fights. Um, but like I said, they'll get mad when something like Spence and Porter is on pay-per-view, you know, not even the, the recent stuff. But, yeah, I mean, I, I'm cool with either one. But like I said, if they're going to give you – if they're going to charge pay-per-view, will they give – like, as far as the sign-up, do you have to sign up? Is it going to be like ESPN Plus where you have to sign up for the zone to get the pay-per-view? Because the casual fan, I, I'm not quite sure. And even Bob Arum has come around and said that the, the Dillian White and Tyson Fury fight will be available on cable too as far as pay-per-view uh, in demand and whatnot. They're not just going to have it on ESPN. Plus, that may work for the UFC, um, but they got a whole different deal, right? I mean, ESPN's paying them a lot of money because they know that does actually shrink some of their, at least, I shouldn't say shrink, but it does affect some of their pay-per-view numbers. So will they say, hey, here's, here's a $70 pay-per-view, but you get six months or three months of, of the zone? If that's the case, if I get months or a half a year or something, then I'm probably not going to re-up, and I'll just buy the pay-per-view and then get the free months, you know? Because otherwise, what's, like, obviously just having Golovkin and Canelo fight on the zone, which was the original, we thought was the original plan anyway, that would have brought in a ton of sign-ups, and they would have been over a million here for the first time ever. Like, well over a million for that fight. I mean, if a million people paid for the pay-per-view, then they're going to they're gonna go over a million for the sign-up for 20 or, you know, the $100 thing, right, to get it dirty three a month. But it does make me reevaluate a little bit, you know, like, hmm, okay, well, if I can get some free months out of it, my thing is, how are they going to incentivize people to sign up for the future so you can keep some of these folks? Um, and maybe, like I said, give away a free month, give away a couple of free months, like they did with those other pay-per-views. I don't know. But will they think, well, the hardcores may drop out then and just get that yeah i'm not sure i really don't know but they will have especially on that golovkin fight if they get there that's going to be a big revenue for them anyway so hopefully they work with us because otherwise you know to have your your premise all built on it's 833 a month or you know it was 10 bucks then it went to 20 bucks a month or whatever for a casual you know if they just want to buy a month or buy a fight and they can do a free month i don't know it's a little funky. I've always kind of wondered what they're going to do when this time comes where it's just on pay-per-view. Are they going to give us, the loyal subscribers since 2018, a discount? If you're already signed up, you get $10 you know, cheaper. That's what they do on ESPN Plus for the UFC. I think it's $10 cheaper, maybe a little less. I don't know. But anyway, we'll see. We'll see. Um, but, yeah, any of these, Benavidez, Charlo, Peter Biev, I'm just glad – and it's not over. Fight Charlo, he can still, he can still fight that cruiserweight. But that's why I'm bringing up the cruiserweight because 
I'm just glad the Cruiserweight fight is not next. At least it appears that way. Now, in boxing, you can't get your hopes up all the way. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so we'll see. We'll see where this goes, but it is it is interesting. Hold on, I'm getting something here. Okay. Anyway, um, all right, so that's kind of the lead story. When it comes to that, we will, you know, get into it a little bit deeper somewhat as far as the numbers and, and you know, uh, Coppinger spoke of this thing's not final, final, that there could be an 11th hour thing, you know, um, but the money speaks, and it's, like I said, it's a two-fight deal, but I, I don't know. That Bivol thing is going to be a, a tough sell on pay-per-view uh, as far as doing 800,000 buys or something like they did with Plan. That's going to be a tough sell with Bivol. I mean, there's just no way around it. Um, whereas at least Plant, he may not have this large fan base, but he was a better B-side, that's for sure, because he had been on Fox so much and got exposed out there. So exposure, I should say. Anyway, um, we will talk a little. You know, I'm going to touch upon this Cambosa stuff, but I'm not going to spend much time. That'll be deeper in the show. Of course, we have uh, some current fight news. Um, Spence Ugas is going to be picked up by Showtime. That's another reason why it kind of makes me think, okay, Showtime is not going to get um, the Canelo-Charlo, and that's why they're going to go, screw it. We'll, we already have some money earmarked for it. Let's spend some money on this Spence Ugas, and they can turn a, a much smaller profit than they would with Canelo. You know, the Charlo-Castaño tickets are on sale. Some of the undercard is very interesting. Um, yeah, and then we'll preview. Of course, we'll recap the weekend. Keith Thurman, Jesus Ramos, Bam Rodriguez all stood way out. Thurman stood out just because I thought he looked pretty damn good considering the 30 months out. Of course, you know, Jesus just looked damn good in the test fight. And then Bam Rodriguez really showed his all-around game with the angles. and Looked good. You could call Quadros, you know, over the hill or kind of faded, that's fine. But don't take away from Bam climbing up a couple weight classes. That's all I'm going to say. Um, so, yeah, and then we'll, we'll uh, I'll break down the Daniel Jacobs-John uh, Ryder fight. That's really about the biggest fight going on this weekend. It's kind of a lighter two weeks. I know the uh, – not this weekend, but next weekend is the Amir Khan and Kell Brook fight. Um, luckily, that's on ESPN+. Plus. We're not having a fork out for that or, you know, having to just randomly stream it somehow on daily motion, you know, the next day or something. So that's nice. Anyway, um, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see. We'll see what's going on um, with that. Like I said, I haven't heard back from Jake just yet, so I don't know exactly when he's going to be on. So I'm just going to kind of do my thing and then um, – you know, see if he messages or whatever. I kind of got a little bit of a late start, later start than I wanted to. Uh, you know, you know, like just gets in the way, right? Um, anyway, like I said, Jake Donovan will be uh, joining us here somewhat soon. Um, yeah. So let's start. Well, actually, if this is your first time listening to the Rope Adele Radio Podcast, welcome. 
It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Ropadope Radio. Um, you know, you don't have to go to Blog Talk and Rope It Open if you don't want to. And, uh, you know, download the show there, you know, listen to it in the browser. You can find the Rope Dope Radio platform um, on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Player FM, TuneIn, Stitcher, Amazon Music as well. We're also part of the Grueling True Sports Podcast Network. While you're at it, why don't you head on over to thegruelingtruth.com. And one more thing. Thinking about cutting the cord, or you have, you're not quite happy, i got something for you. It's called Direct TV Stream. The prices start as low as $69.99 a month. It's the best of live TV and on-demand, no annual contracts, no hidden fees. If you upgrade to the Choice or Ultimate Package, that'll give you three free months of HBO Max. Plus, you get to enjoy regional sports networks with no additional fees, which is becoming harder and harder. Boxing fans, you may want to listen to this. If you go to the Premier Package, that'll give you HBO Max and Showtime already included. By the way, Showtime is $11 on this year platform, the direct TV stream. Okay. Like I said, um, for me, did like what Keith Thurman did in the ring a bunch this weekend, all things considered. You know, I think you have to obviously put that into the equation. Um, when it comes to this, I, I think that's pretty obvious, you know. Um, actually, I'm having a little bit of a, oh, wow, what the heck's going on? All right, give me a second here. <laughs> I just realized something. Okay. Um, you know, for me, I liked what I saw out of him. You know, he looked um, – Fairly explosive, considering he's been out for 30 months. Uh, um, you know, there's times where he'd really put a nice, you know, combination together uh, that we're used to seeing. Other times, you know, he would come up short on a punch, or he just wouldn't look as crisp, or obviously, you know, there were, beyond the body shot, which we'll talk in a little bit here, but beyond that body shot, uh, if, if it sounds weird here, I'm actually kind of tweaking something right now, so I'm trying to talk and do something at the same time, which is not always the easiest thing to do. Um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, left hooks. I mean, he was getting hit by some left hooks that it just didn't seem like, okay, I think I, I, think I got the issue solved. All right, sorry about that. If, in fact, it was kind of in and out, had to kind of move around here real quick. I think we're going to be good now. All right. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Where was I? All right. So, to me, I liked what I saw, man. I really did. I mean, it's not easy. So many guys out of 30 months off just look bad, look really rough. Um, I mean, how many rounds could you give to Barrios, you know, until he did hurt? Obviously, hurt Thurman. But I thought, you know, the jab and the body shots, uh, the left hooks. I mean, early in the fight, there was like a nice left hand to the body. And so, well, a nice left hand, I think, up top uh, by Barrios in the first or second round. And a few body shots, but he just, he didn't go to the body enough, and he sure didn't land enough. Um, but the overhand right. The, the kind of leaping, explosive right hand left hook um, was pretty damn good. Earlier in the fight, though, he did get caught, like I said, by Barrios with a left hook. 
Um, but, you know, his hook, his uppercut, that shot in the third round, uh, right on the temple, I think it was the left hook, late in that round, um, definitely, you know, looked like it landed really hard. Um, and he had this, like, little subtle movement, did Thurman. You know what I mean? There's moments, like, in the fourth where Barrios would have, like, some early success, you know, but nothing too much, you know. I think in the fourth round he wobbled him with a hard combination, um, like, under a minute left in that round, I would have to say. Um, so, yeah, overall, you know, he was working the body, he's working the head, he's boxing fairly well. Um, midway, you did start to see multiple punches landed, you know, in a, in a short amount of time for uh, Barrios, but nowhere near, you know, enough. Um, and he'd just come back with a left hand that would snap Barrios's neck a little bit like he did in the sixth round. But yeah, when he, like there was good back and forth in the eighth round, uh, I think first minute, maybe midway point, hard right hand, um, you know, by Thurman, a couple of them actually. Um, and you could kind of see that Barrios legs stiffened up and he was cut on the eye or cheek. He was in bad shape by the end of his nose, you know, was, uh, was not looking good. He was bleeding. He, you know, like I said, the cheek face, you know, it, 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 he looked bad. He definitely looked bad. Um, but you know, even down the stretch though, like he still would land flush shots, obviously, you know, the body shot, I think it was the left hand. And so, you know, I thought he put a decent showing on, but I just didn't understand why you didn't attack the body more. You know, I just don't get it. Like that's, that was the head scratcher. You're not going to sit there and throw a bunch of shoe shines. And how many times did he even have on, on the rope that many times? Not that many times. So, I'm not saying that it should be only body because then you are going to leave yourself open, you know, for some counters and just shots in general. So I get it, but yeah, it was just the game plan was just missing. Not to say that he would have won the fight if if he had just gone to the body more, but even Thurman said had he followed it up or really dug in, maybe I would have dropped. You know, he, he said he was hurt. So, and we know uh, that that's what could happen, <laughs> you know, um, with Thurman. It just, it just does. Um, for Barrios, obviously, I'm assuming he's going to stay at 147 because he was go, heading up there anyway. Um, and they, they just kind of, they you know, they just need to get into rebuild mode with them. Um, they have plenty of, plenty of guys, though. Um you know, whether it's Jamal James, Abel Ramos, ooh, ooh. Um, same thing just happened. Uh, Jose Cito Lopez, um, you know, the, the the winner of, well, I don't think this would actually be a thing, but uh, Stanonius and Butiev, like, he has plenty of options there. Um, so he's in a good spot. Okay, something's going on. It's just sending a lot of uh, electoral shocks. Um, this is really weird. I don't know what happened. I think we're okay, though. Let me know if you can't hear me. Someone text me or something. Um, But anyway, so yeah, like, 
he they got plenty of guys at 147 on that fringe contender area into one of these bigger fights. Some of these young guys, you know, Barrios is now a good B side. Some of them he'll be the A side, right? So I think he should just kind of build back and move on from there. You know what I mean? I don't think he should just, you know, back-to-back losses. There's no shame in that. Uh, but there's no point in, you know, going for a huge challenge right away. You know what I mean? Now, Keith Thurman, you know, maybe he'll have to fight the winner of Boutier and, and Stanonius. Maybe. Like if Spence and Ugas, let's say Spence wins, will they be looking to match him with Thurman? You know, we talked about this like a month ago. You know, I could go. I could see it going a couple different ways. You know, I, I assume they're going to try to put him with Thurman because you know they they unless they can sign Crawford to a multi-fight deal, they may want to do the Thurman fight first, have Spence win or whoever, I guess. But the goal is, I guess, Spence, right? Especially for the fans to win and then fight Crawford and then go up to fifty-four. You know, or will he be like, hey, I can fight, you know, maybe they'll be thinking, well, if you lose to Crawford, at least you'll have another fight to build to with a, with a great B-side in Thurman, because that does pretty good numbers, that, that fight, uh, Thurman and Spence. So, and Thurman, you know, maybe he can do some damage at 47, and then a year or two from now, he could go up to 54, and then they fight then. It's all really matters how long, well, it all, I mean, first of all, you got to get by Ugas, and I'm not trying to disrespect Ugas, you know. But you do have to get by Ugas, so we should say that. But let's just say he does. Most people think he probably will. He's the favorite. But do you go right to Crawford and just say, screw it, man. Like, I, I, you know, he's having problems making 47. He's been talking about going to 54. This summer in the lead-up to the Pacquiao fight that ultimately, you know, he couldn't, couldn't do, he said, you know, hey, um, I'm, I'm fighting Pacquiao, and I'm looking for Crawford. You know what I mean? That's who I'm looking for. So um, we'll see. Obviously, you know, once we get some interviews with him, then we'll know a little more. You know what I mean? Then we'll know a little bit more. Um, So we'll see. We'll see what happens there. But like I said, Thurman, you know, what was a head scratcher after he said, you know, I need to do like, he's talking about strength and conditioning and, sports science and he said you know it's really ignorant of me he's kind of kicking himself for not doing this one last thing and he was talking about like um sprints and track work and you know building up like explosive stuff building up um you know that type of thing and and part of me is like well what the hell why haven't you done it but the other part's thinking well if you didn't do that and you were able to move prior, now you probably should do that. Maybe that would be a really good thing for you. Because Keith's going to, no matter what, if he fights Thurman or Crawford, he's going to have to move a good portion of that fight. Um, You know, maybe Crawford won't be as aggressive as, say, Spence early, per se. Um, You know, he did have Sean Porter coming to him, um, which, you know, that's what Sean Porter does. But, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. But like I said, overall, I did like what I saw out of Thurman considering the 30-ish months he was out of the ring. The body looked good. Um, some people were saying a little too good. No, but I mean, he, you know, he, he looked pretty good in the mouth. I mean, he didn't lose anything when it comes to uh, talking, you know. He's a funny dude. 
he's really charismatic, and but he also says some stuff that just make not just laugh but be serious. He, he's 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 good at that. Obviously, commentating some sort of broadcasting stuff is in his future, but um, it's just good to have him back. You know, he may never get that form of 2016-17. He may never find it. You know, it's a long time ago, but. If he can even get the form he had in a good chunk of that uh, Pacquiao fight, that's still tough. It's still a tough style, you know, to deal with. It, it's not this he's completely washed. If he was completely washed, I'm not saying, oh, he would have for sure lost to, you know, uh, Barrios, but well, he wouldn't He wouldn't look worse, let's put it that way. Did he look like A1 excellent, the best I've seen him? No, no, not at all. Um, and like I said, Beyond that body shot that everybody's talking about, that he was clearly hurt, um, those left hooks he was getting caught with were like, ooh, damn. You don't really see him get caught with some super flush shots all the time. Um, so anyway, though, I did like what I see. And, you know, we'll see. We'll see where this thing goes. You know, like I said, I could see them trying to match, uh, well, I guess Ugas for that matter, too, with him. But I could also say, hey, maybe you'd have him as a, as another fight that Bill do. Let's say Spence beats Ugas, like I said. Then he goes against Crawford and loses. Well, then you got a fight to go through that you could still build to, and maybe that would be at 54. It does sound like it's just a matter of time, though, um, that Spence is going to be at, you know, 54. And there's plenty of fights there. Maybe Jesus Ramos in a couple of years. Anyway, um, there is a lot to discuss here tonight, no doubt about it. I'm going to go ahead and bring in Jake Donovan, senior writer from BoxingScene.com, unmuted. What's going on, Jake? How the hell are you, buddy? Hey, Chris. What's going on, man? I'm not, it's February. I'm not going to tell you Happy New Year, but it is good to be on the show for the first time in 2022. Heck yeah, man. I was just saying, we got to get this thing charged up. Um, yep. So obviously, you know, we're going to talk a variety of stuff what's happened thus far since that january first card up until now with a little bit more detail off this last weekend obviously um i was just talking about the thurman fight on that card you know jesus ramos shined we know bam rodriguez shined as well showing all sorts of angles showing all sorts of uh, potential this guy's got i shouldn't even call it potential i mean it's right there in the ring um, and a couple other stuff that we'll talk about, but thus far, um, what, what have you enjoyed so far out of, uh, you know, a, a slow starting year to an extent, especially, you know, coming just early, what are we, February 9th, um, <laughs> what, 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 what do you like so far, you know, in this thing, obviously we've had two pay-per-views, one was at a discounted rate, one was a full price mm-hmm. that has been a lot of talk about that but the actual fights as well i gotta say that card to begin the year with yes it sucks that ortiz and martin was a main event pay-per-view even if it was hash but the actual card was damn good including the fox both the fights especially that cuban heavyweight fight what do you think uh, so far of january and kind of leading up to last weekend's action jake well, maybe because it's freshest in my mind, my favorite moment of the sport so far was the immediate reaction to Bam Rodriguez beating Carlos Quadras. 
just because we spend so much time, it's like, you know, this side of the fence and that, you know, people bickering, you know, PBC versus ESPN and all these divided, you know, fan bases, everyone was like so happy to see Bam Rodriguez win. It seemed like the entire industry, I saw so many fighters congratulating him. He's just one of those guys that like everyone, you know, it's kind of like a, almost like a Choco Latico type where like he doesn't have any enemies. You know, even the guys right. who, you know, fight in his division, they all seem to like him. So I love seeing that support. That reminds me of, like, you know, the, the boxing community that we can have. We don't always have it because we spend so much damn time fighting with each other. So, that you know, just being ringside to watch him, you know, fight. He's such an amazing little fighter. So just to watch him do what he did and then to see that, you know, public reaction, that's, that's kind of been my favorite moment so far of the sport. Because, you know, I, I love seeing any moment that, like, we always bring the sport together. So, um, yeah, you know, we've, we've had some good stuff. Um, I really wish we didn't have the pay-per-view we did last week. That was a card that, I, you know, I wish Fox could get back, you know, find its tools back and, you know, give us some of these shows on free TV instead of pay-per-view. But, you know, at least we're getting the entertainment value. But it seems more so like we're getting the announcements of, of what's, you know, I guess that's to be expected in the first part of the year. You know, we're starting to learn what's coming up ahead. So, and we have the hell of a March, April, May uh, schedule coming up. So, that's... Um, yeah, there has been a lot to talk about. Like, in the ring, we've had some good fights, but, uh, like, as a reporter, I'm always big on, like, what's, you know, yes, you won this fight, but what is it going to lead to? If it's a fight that's going to lead to another fight, you know, that's not, you know, quite the story we can tell. Like, Dan Rodriguez winning a title. Like, he can go back down to 108. He could fight at 112. If he's going to stay at 115, he's got Hall of Fame fighters, you know, ahead of him. So, like, the, so, you know, the, the, those are the moments I'm looking for. Even, like, his brother now is going to have this big fight against um, Juan Estrada. You know, the WBA just ordered that. Yeah. So, so those are the things I'm starting to appreciate with the sport. That, like, we're really seeing a lot of great fights coming up, you know, just in the next few months. Not that, like, or if they win this fight in May, we're going to see this massive fight in December. It's like March, April, May is just freaking stacked. Yeah, no doubt about it. It is going to pick up here soon. One thing to your point of what you're saying, one thing I did like beyond the pay-per-view of the, the heavyweight that there were so many heavyweights on that card, Jake, and you can literally right, yeah. mix and match some of that. And so that's what I actually did like about that card, where it was like, first of all, there's pretty good fights, of course, but it was yeah. entertainment value. But also, well, wait a second, he shined, we could put him in with him. And then that dude shined, we, you know, and that's actually what I really did like. I like that uh, both of the Cuban heavyweight fighters are going to be back, back in action. It sounds like both on... Uh, for now, anyway, both on P- PBC, but that—that's what I did kind of like about that card because it just mm-hmm. you, you add up a bunch of those uh, fights and, and, and you just kind of mix and match. I think that was pretty cool. We got an upset, of, you know, with Gary Russell Jr. with the one arm Gary Russell Jr. I did really yeah. like that co-feature fight a whole lot. Um, mm-hmm. Thus yeah, far, so you know, the yeah, yeah, that, that was cool. Um, Real quick, what's up with Andy Ruiz's knee or injury? Um, I know he had surgery. We saw it come up here in this last little bit as far as turning down the fight. Did that really have much to do with turning down that, that uh, you know, that eliminator? Or was it like, hey, we can get a bigger fight? Uh, where's Ruiz? Have you heard anything about that? Because, you know, a lot of people think he's going to have a big fight here soon. So, I, all right, I, I'll put it this way. It was a reason to not enter negotiations with Hergovich because it would have been a non-starter. 
you know, it's like it doesn't make sense to negotiate the fight if he knows he's not going to fight him, you know, within the time that the IBF wants to fight. Now, that said, right. I've never believed that Andy Ruiz wanted that fight. I don't think Luis Ortiz, I know he took the fight with Charles Martin, you know, as an IBF, you know, semifinal eliminator that they knew they were going to have to fight Hergovich. I, I don't think even that fight would have happened. I do. I right. tend to believe, I, I think I tweeted this a couple of days ago, I tend to believe we're going to see Andy Ruiz and Luis Ortiz at some point. My understanding is it's going to be Andy to accept the fight, and he's going to have to decide whenever he's 100% healthy and ready to return to the ring. I don't know how, you know, at, at what point that's going to come. Like I said, the schedule is loading up. Keep shoving, you know, one pay-per-view after another. And you, we know right. TBC is going to make that a pay-per-view too, so... Um, you yeah. know, maybe Andy takes one fight before he gets to Luis Ortiz, but then you have to find something for Luis Ortiz. I mean, he just sat out for 14 months. You can't put him on the shelf again for the rest of the year waiting for, you know, Andy to say, yes, he, he wants to, you know, as soon as his end is healthy, he's going to want to fight again too. So, so it's hurry up with wait and wait with Andy Ruiz is what you're telling me. Hurry up, hurry up. Okay, let's hurry. wait a little yeah, I get that, that's, you know, the, my understanding from the PBC side is that, you know, the rehabilitation, you know, process didn't quite come as quickly as they thought he had, you know, he went through the surgery, but as far as being fight ready, I mean, that's, you know, a reason why we didn't see him on January 1st, you know. So sure. whether he just, you know, didn't feel confidence in himself or he just doesn't feel physically ready, that was the reason why, you know, he didn't fight Luis Ortiz or Charles Martin for that matter. So, because they both seemed to think they were going to fight him and they wound up fighting, yeah. fighting each other. So I, I do yeah, believe it's a his great matchup too. It's against, just like, after a while, it, it's like, okay, we got to get it now though, you know. Yeah, exactly. I, I think because he's, he's not going to get, you know, there's no pathway to getting to, you know, the, the winner of uh, Usyk Joshua. He's obviously not going to fight Tyson Fury next. So, yeah. I, Luis Ortiz fight, that, that makes perfect sense on the TBC side, especially, I mean, I, I, I keep hearing talk about Andrew Ruiz maybe fighting Deontay Wilder, but, you know, Deontay Wilder is going to have to decide if he wants to fight ever again. I mean, he's made, you know, he's had a heck of a career. He's made a lot of money. He's, you know, not shot, you know, by any means, but, you know, he is, he's, you know, uh, 36 years old, you know, he, he, he's making, he's made a good living. He's got, you know, got good businesses, you know, he and his uh, fiance, they're, you know, they got their business now. So he's not, he's a guy that doesn't necessarily need to fight again if he doesn't want to. So, you know, I, I wouldn't sit around and wait for him to make it. You know, if if he's not going to fight Andy Ruiz versus Luis Ortiz seems like a nice progression for, for both of them. Yeah, it's a perfect fight, and it, and it leads yeah. to something even bigger, probably Wilder or whoever by that Yeah, time. whenever that, you absolutely want to see fight for a title. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, real quick from this last weekend, what would you think of Jesus Ramos against a tough Hernandez test, um, where he actually, bye, for a bye, couple bye. rounds, he got tested? Yeah. What would you think of that? Yeah. Bye, bye, bye. Invest heavily in Jesus Ramos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can You know, and even going back to the January 1st card, I mean, Frank Martin, like he was, you know, the one non-heavyweight that really stood out from that show. So we had a lot of good fights from that night, but he's another one that's like, that's a guy you got to keep it. I'm sure he'll wind up on the Spence Ugas fight and, uh, card in some capacity, whether it's on the, the Showtime pay-per-view undercard or, you know, if Showtime has a lead-in show, who knows, but... Yeah, that's, you know, these are the moments these guys are taking, uh, you know, taking advantage of. Like I said, I wasn't a biggest fan of the pay-per-view from last week because a lot of those guys, it's yeah. just it's everyone that fought, it's just going to lead to another fight. None of them are really taking that next level. But Jesus Ramos is, you know, whenever he decides he's ready to fight for a title, they're going to send him straight on there. I, he, he could very well be ready right now. I mean, obviously, you know, you got to wait out Charlo Castaño. But I, I could see him taking a, a title eliminator in his next fight. I, I, I personally think he's ready. Yeah, they have the top-notch guys at 54. They have the contenders, too, you know, and, and a lot of them are young still. So, 
I mean, I think it's great that he's at 54. There's so many fights for him. And like you said, it, he doesn't need to, you know, step up too many more times without being in, in, in even tougher fights and whatnot. And to be honest with you, that was supposed to be the Fox uh, prelim main event, correct? Correct. Mm-hmm. And then they yeah, bumped it. 100%. See, I'm okay with that stuff, you know, because it's yeah. like, okay, that's a real test. That's different than a showcase, you know what I mean? Yeah, I would have been okay with that. Yeah, yeah and, and the guy he beat just beat, you know, J-Rock in his last day. He just beat a former unified right. champ. So it's not like, you know, you can say what you want about Vladimir Hernandez, but he's had that run. Where, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. several publications had him in their top ten. So, you know, according to them, he's a legitimate top ten contender. He's not an alphabet top ten contender. He's a consensus top ten junior middleweight. That's who Jesus Ramos just beat and beat convincingly, looked damn good doing it. I mean, maybe I'm being way too optimistic. I, I, I would love to see him fight the winner of Sebastian Fandora and Erickson Lubin, whatever they fight. You know, if not next, then at least take a fight to get to them. You know, you know, if the if yeah. title isn't available yet, you know, I would love to see that as like an interim title fight. Yeah, because like you said, the titles are going to come loose here, um, and also are available one way or the other. But they, pro- I wouldn't doubt if they bring them to Phoenix for a solid fight, and then maybe you know, yeah. do something else, you know, something like that. They do got to bring the Phoenix out here soon. Because, yeah, I was going to say they got to start packing I mean? up, like you know, especially if they're bringing Benavides uh, back to Phoenix, which I. I'm not going to speak out of turn. My understanding is sure. there's a good chance he could fight in Phoenix, you know, for whether it's April or May or whatever. If Jesus yeah. Ramos didn't have so much wear and tear from last weekend, I, I would love to see him back on the card. Yeah, you do got to start bringing up his, his fan base. You know, Vito, he has it out east. You know, why not Jesus Ramos do, start doing it up, you know, on the West Coast? Yep. You know, and such, a nice pick, too, such an easy, such an easy fighter to promote. Oh, yeah. It was nice to see him make adjustments. I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. He's making adjustments, yeah. and now he's really dominating this guy, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, you forget he's as young as he is. You really do. Him and Bam, though. Wow, what a what a yeah. weekend, man. I was so impressed with yeah. the angles nah, the, of Bam. And he just yeah. looks so experienced. It's like, yeah, this yeah. is my sixth title fight. That's what it seemed like. I mean, man, that, that was that was fun. Like you said, I agree with you. That was, that was the moment so far uh, of yeah. the year. And the fact that he jumped up some weight classes and filled in, sure, you got to schedule a fight. That doesn't mean you, a lot of people wouldn't even do that, per se, especially when you're a young yeah. guy that a lot of times you, oh, let's develop him first. You know, that, this, this no. is big, man. This is really big. Yeah, um, no, he wanted a title fight in his last fight. So, yeah. <laughs> right. So um, I'm really interested in, obviously, a variety of, uh, you know, cards coming up and whatnot. We'll Try not to hold you too long. I appreciate you coming on on a random Wednesday. Yeah, but um, <laughs> the Charlo Castaño undercard. Now, it's not announced. We are hearing, though, that Tim Zhu will be on it. We're hearing uh, Gomez, yeah. the, the, the Cuban prospect, getting into that contender rage will be on it. Yeah. Um, what do you think about that? First of all, it's in, and I'm going to say it, Jake, it's in Staples Center, Okay. It's in Staples yep. Center, and um, that's cool for Castaño. You know what I mean? I think that's yep. dope because now it's not in Houston. I could see him doing the fight there, but that's more even. I think that's cool. Um, what are your thoughts just in general how that rematch is going to go? You don't have to predict or anything, but then that undercard, mm-hmm. having Tim Zhu on the undercard coming over here really tells me something 
about this kid yeah. and what he wants to do and who he wants to fight. Yeah, it, it makes sense because we already know, like I said, we talk about Fundora and Erickson Lubin that, you know, PBC or, you know, people who watch PBC shows, they already know who those two guys are by now. So you don't need to over, I mean, I would believe, I would love to see that on the undercard, but that's the main event in and of itself. So, you know, that, that's people are going to, you know, more, further familiarize themselves with those two. So this is, a, it's a good step by PBC that they, you know, got a good sense that Tim Zhu is going to be gunning for the title. So why not introduce him to your audience? Why not build up his name over here? Or if you have to send one of your guys over to Australia to fight him, you know, at, at least, you know, it's, you're building that fan base. I, I think it's a very smart move. So, and I'm glad that they were able to, you know, and, and granted, again, this is a step up for Tim Zhu. There's no guarantee that he's mm-hmm. Terrell Gachet, you know. You don't know which Terrell Gachet you're going to get on fight night, but, you know, That's in his last fight, he he he, he, you know, he looked like the Olympian that was supposed to become a world champion. So it's, it's a very, very tough test. Credit to Zoo, credit to PBC, credit to everyone involved. So, you know, doing everything they had to do to, to bring him over here and get him on Showtime. So I think it was a very smart move, you know, especially since there's a, a strong chance he will be fighting the winner. So um, looking at BoxingScene.com here, um, right now, obviously, the senior right here, Jake Donovan. Um, so Keith Eidick is now, yep. they've now fully said Showtime is going to distribute the pay-per-view yep. for, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Spence and Ugas. And I thought it was cool how he came out and said, hold on, you know, let me backtrack a half a second. Now, is yep. that writing on the wall that this Canelo deal is done with the zone? And Showtime is just like, well, we got some money earmarked. It's not going to be as much. Let's put it in so we can make small revenue. Or were they really thinking about trying to buy both of them? Did, do you know? You know, because it seems like, damn, that was quick. We hear some reporting from Coppinger. Then all of a sudden now they they have the fight. You know, are you still kind of in the air about what Canelo's going to do? Should we I, really, for, you know, the, we, we've heard reports yeah. before. Um, we know the real as far as what's on the table. How how you know how close are we? You think? I, I what cop reported today. I will say I heard that as recent as yesterday. So and even over the weekend, I was getting the sense like two weeks ago. If you asked me this question, I thought for sure Charlo. I mean um, Jamal Charlo would have landed the yeah, Canelo fight. So I, I thought for sure that we were going to get May seventh Showtime pay per view. And then maybe Showtime backs off on its pursuit of, you know, Steven Espinosa is on record. He said he wanted to get Errol Spence back on Showtime, I, you know, whether sure. it meant his next fight or at some point yep. in 2022. But that was the goal of his. I, I think he did say he wanted to get him back on Showtime in the first half. So mm-hmm. he let it be on known that he Fox. was eager yep. to outbid Fox. So that's, that, that is pushing the envelope to say you're going to, you know, do two pay-per-views in three weeks, which is, in effect, what Showtime would have been in doing. But, I mean, it's two of the biggest, you know, pay-per-view stars in the sport. So, you know, right. not that Earl Spence is a blockbuster pay-per-view, but as far as, you know, today's market, I mean, there's Canelo way at the top. Right. And then Errol could very well be number two, maybe number three in, in terms of active sure. fighters. So that's maybe that's something that Showtime could have pushed. But I, I, I am with you, though. I get the sense that once Showtime saw what the zone was willing to spend to bring him, bring Canelo back over there, that gave Showtime the motivation. Okay, now we're going to go all in. Now we can really, you know, there's no way in hell Fox Sports is going to match what we'll, we're willing to put up for this fight. So now, granted, I don't yeah. know what they're putting up for Spencer, but obviously, whatever budget they had for Canelo, you know, they could have uh, shifted over some of that money and said, okay, this is what we're willing to invest into Spencer. So 
I, I do think, yeah, one has something to do with the other. So I'm glad that they did get that over the line. I, you know, when Keith wrote the story yesterday and, you know, he thought it was Fox Sports, it, it kind of surprised uh-huh. me a bit because I did think that Showtime was still on the hunt. So, you know, but he owned it up. Sure. He went back, he did his due diligence, and still got the story first. So credit to him. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I think it's a great nice, time actually. for Showtime. Yeah, I don't mean to talk yeah. to you, but I, oh, I love the fact that it is on Showtime pay-per-view because this has been my problem when – PBC first came out with the time buys, and I've worked several PBC telecasts. There was a lot of cross-promotion. That worked to the benefit of PBC. Like, Showtime was promoting the Fox Sports event, you know, because Al had, you know, time buys on everything except for Showtime, which was paying for it. But they were all advertising each other's products. But then it got to the point all of a sudden where Showtime and Fox, even though they're both under, you know, they're both doing business with PBC, now they're competitors. So so Showtime is probably going to have a card – I'm not going to tease too much. They're going to have at least one more, you know, they're going to have the March 19th card, which obviously they'll start promoting the the Spence Ugas uh, pay-per-view. They'll probably have one more Showtime Championship boxing card before the pay-per-view. So that gives them a chance to really build it up. If it was on Fox pay-per-view, now all of a sudden you're going from Thurman, you know, Barrios, which who knows what those numbers did. I don't think it's going to be very promising, all the way to April. There's nothing really in between. So that's really been hurting Fox, and that's why, you know, without them doing these organic shows, you know, there's no build-up yeah. these pay-per-views. So this is why yeah, I, it's not I like, like that it is on Showtime. 2019, you know, where they had multiple cards be, be, yeah. between the pay-per-views that they could build off it, and there was only four every year, you know. Exactly, right. So, yeah, now, now all of a sudden you're going to get a lot of momentum going at the Spence Ugas. So I, I think I, I like the fact that it is going to be on Showtime. I mean, if now if Fox had any kind of schedule, if they were doing a show, you know, a show on Fox, a show on FS1, all right, at least you're building yeah. for something. But now Showtime has, you know, they could use Charlo Castaño, too, this, you know, to really start pushing it. Then they have, you know, their piece in, the, um, I think, the up to the Elite Eight in the March Madness. I know that TBS has the Final Four. Yep. But they right. could promote Spencer Ugas during the, you know, March Madness. That always does good ratings. Mm-hmm. So and now all of a sudden you really have a pathway to really drive this pay-per-view. So, and again, it happens Yeah, and even the day of, now the, even the day of yeah. is the Master Saturday, you know? Exactly. So, yeah, the, uh, Albert Bernstein, I believe, brought that up. So uh, he used to work for Fox Sports, if I'm not mistaken. But he brought that up, too. Yeah, you start promoting that during oh. golf. I mean, ironically, which, you know, <laughs> Canelo, you know, start promoting his fights through golf. Yeah, so right. That's, yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> There's so many different pathways to start building up these pay-per-views. So, yeah, I think that Spencer Lugas card is going to get a lot of momentum. I, I think it's – game-changer might be a strong word, but it's, I, I think it's a much bigger event on Showtime pay-per-view at this time of the year than it would have been as, a, you know, Fox's standalone event. Yeah, no, you're right, because there isn't something already – they always would have something scheduled already, if not two things right. already. Like, we would have gotten announcements in this last weekend, you know what I mean? And the fact that we did, exactly. it was like, oh, okay, well, that's telling. You know, that's telling. Right. Um, so a couple, like maybe one or two more things. Um, obviously, you know, we even talked about this a while back about, you know, the abundance of pay-per-view. Clearly, since last mm-hmm. October till now, we've been just getting hit with them. I did think back to BoxingScene.com and Keith Eidick, obviously, I won't ask you to necessarily comment on it because it's not your article. Um, I thought he wrote a good piece, but it's something that we've been talking about really since uh, fall 2020 because we could see a difference there. We were talking about it even back then. Um, last year, I, I wrote a little blog, Where's the Beef, when it came to main event, like the, the Fox main right. events, like what, what's going on, just kind of 
throwing stuff on the wall and, and seeing what stuck. And I remember us kind of talking it through. Um, I thought it was a well done article. I did think mm-hmm. the only thing missing was uh, uh, guarantees going up play a part in some of these pay-per-views. It wasn't just all budget cuts. It, you know, Fox is a little different, but overall, um, you know, much like we were talking about in 2015, 16, 17, when HBO were saying, hey, this, this money's up higher now. The market's up higher. Well, obviously, the zone, you know, had something to do with some of these uh, guarantees going up, too, because of the money they were throwing around. But overall, and they're going to get in the pay-per-view business. No surprise there, of course. But are we kind of just stuck with this for about a year, two years? Uh, is this what it's going to be every month? Are we back in 2006 when it was every month when a HBO right. did 10 alone? I got a segment coming up on this, Jake. Uh, 2006, yeah. HBO did 10 of them, and I think uh, Showtime right. did one or two. It was up in the double mm-hmm. digits. It was UFC, basically, double digits. You know what I mean? Uh, is that what we're going to have to deal with for at least this year? Does it feel that way? Yeah, it, it, it definitely does feel that way. I, I'm curious, like, what we're going to get out of Fox after the end of mm-hmm. this year. Like, I, I, like you know, after last year, it, it did seem like, not, not that they were ready to completely dive out of the business, but they're certainly done as far as putting like that relevant next level on their, on their main platform. I mean, we're just getting, it's going to pick up after college basketball season. You know, I, I know sure. that, but it's, but it's still going to be Vito Monicki. It's going to be Joey Spencer. It's not going to be, I, I don't not even know. Top if gonna 10 get against top hand. 10. No, not at all. And, that, and that's a shame right. because it's, it's, you're almost waiting, you know, wasting the platform. Now granted, you know, they're putting on good prospect level shows. So, people who are tuning in to watch boxing, at least they're getting to see that. But, you know, they're, they're just clearly not, you know, invested in, you know, long-term in the business anymore. And that's a shame because that means all they can offer is pay-per-view. Like I said, this last weekend, you know, right. every fight that was up, that, that could have been two very good Fox That could have been you know, an FS1 cards. and a Fox card. Imagine that. Right. That would have been bomb. That would have been phenomenal. Yeah. Right. So Showtime, I think, is going to be far more selective with the pay-per-views that it will invest in. You know, I mean, we're going to get, you know, yep. I'm glad that they're getting the best one. Uh, if Canelo goes to zone, that's, you know, you're not getting him for 2022. So right? Tank probably going to come back. You know, I'm assuming he's going to fight Rolando Romero in, you know, May, June, whenever, you know, right. he'll double to come back. Right. But you're not going to put him right in that stack of, I mean, we're already going to have three pay-per-views in four weeks. We're going to have Spence Ugas, then ESPN is doing uh, Fury and Dillian White. Right. Yep. And then, theoretically, you know, if Keith sources are right, then Canelo and Dimitri Bivol, or, you know, if he goes to zone, that's going to be pay-per-view. If he decides to stick it out with Showtime, then we're getting Canelo and Charlo on pay-per-view. Either way, we're likely getting the yeah. pay-per-view. So that's, that's three and four weeks. You can't put, you know, Tank in that mix, so you'll probably push him back to June. So it's, it is it is too many. And then, like I said, I, I brought this up on another show. You got Caleb Plant is going to want to come back at some point. What platform are you going to put him on at this point? You know, if Charlo doesn't get right. – um, Canelo, who does he fight next? You know, then you got yeah, all Showtime others. only has so many dates. Right, and they're not going to want Caleb Plant versus, you know, a comeback fight. They're going to want, yeah. you know, Caleb Plant versus David Benavides. You know, they're going to they, – they're going to – Or at least Durrell in, you know, or something. Yeah. Exactly, right. But I, I don't even know if that's the fight they'd want to buy. And who the hell is going to buy a sure, Caleb yeah, Plant-Anthony yeah. Durrell pay-per-view, but that's all that Fox right. is going to be able to offer us if they don't get back to putting these guys on their main network. You know, Caleb is a good draw for him. They, they do like him a lot. So he would be the one guy, if you want to make a comeback with, you know, relevant boxing on the, on the free network, 
you know, bring back someone like him. But I, it, yeah. it is scary because, like I said, you're going to start running out of space for these guys, and then, are, you know, they're just going to be settle for, you know, fighting once a year. That, that, that's not helping the sport either. So um, I, I'm a little worried more so with, you know, the zone trying to get into the pay-per-view business. I understand why they would want to do Canelo and Triple G. Sure. I mean, it sucks that if it happened two or three years ago, it would have been on, you know, the zone, you know, for whatever, sure 20 enough. months or, you know, the 99 per year. So, but it's, and I brought this up on another show too. It's like, if they're going to now all of a sudden stay steadily in the pay-per-view business, then why are you motivated anymore to become an annual subscriber? You know, I pay $99 per year. But if I know that, you know, that's not going to include, you know, Canelo and potentially after April 9th, not even include Brian Garcia, that, you know, what exactly am I going to be getting for the rest of the year? So maybe right. I do take it on a case-by-case basis. You know, some people, they want to watch every single show and they're going to find value in it, but... Others, you know, they, they want to see the most relevant sites. You know, some people don't get Showtime every, you know, I, I subscribe $99 to get to Showtime as well. But, you know, right. if, if, you know, they've had times where they've fallen seriously back on their on their schedule, and I didn't subscribe every single month. But, you know, mm-hmm. with the pandemic, they, you know, they have invested. But the zone, if they're going to start, you know, doing these cases, you know, I, hopefully they get more selective. I'm not a big fan of Canelo and Demetri Bivol going pay-per-view. That's you know, at least put That's one of those fights on his own. That's a tough sell. Yeah, at least that ain't going to do no seven or eight hundred thousand pay-per-views. Right, because if that's the case, then you know, what about you know Triple G and Real Samurada? Now all of a sudden you're going to try to do that on pay-per-view just because you know Canelo's going pay-per-view. It's like yeah, you yeah, know what becomes the, the the you know the the line in the sand at that point. You know, Anthony Joshua and Usyk, are we going to get that on? You know, so right. I, I, that that part really scares me for you know what the, you know the direction of the sport. Yeah, because, you know, they did do not, obviously, if you had a, a subscription, you were getting the Canelo fights before, but they did do, you know, they started doing those options of pay-per-views, right? And in those pay-per-views, remember, they gave us, they gave you like three or four months subscription, you know? Well, if they did yeah. that, I was just thinking, Jake, like, okay, so are you going to have to sign up like ESPN Plus to get the pay-per-view, or are they going to give you three free months? Because if they do the give you a month or a couple months, then I'm just going to not – because I'm, I'm due up here in about two months for another $100. Right. Well, if that's the case, like you said, I'll just buy the pay-per-view, get three months free or whatever it's going to be, buy the glove going, get, get the rest of the year free. Because otherwise, it's like, well, hold on now. Are you going to give us a discount? Are you going to give us a 10 or $15 off discount for subs already? How are they going to get people to subscribe if you don't have to sign up to get the pay-per-view? You know, you got to figure there's yeah. going to be some sort of couple months of disown uh, for free or something, right? Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. If, if that is part of it, then that is definitely an upside too. And I, I, I would love to see Showtime do that as well. I know they're not going to, but I, you know, I'm all for that call. business model. Right. You know, you yeah, you investing yeah. this, but at least you're getting something back. So, again, that would help. But again, that still affects. Um, the you know the long term subscription because then it's still yeah. you know people right. like you okay I'm gonna get Canelo why not then I'll get the next three months you know at the same time then then you know it's like okay well if you're getting a Canelo pay per view you might not be getting you know Anthony Joshua during those three months right you know because they're you know they're not gonna give that anyway anything away for free at that point so that is the part that scares me you know because I I knew that that always I mean, obviously it happens in any business but especially in boxing yeah. it's like once billionaires become multimillionaires everyone starts you know rethinking. You know why are we giving the shit away when we, you know, we're not getting anything back. So that's the yeah, thing. So you I, read I, the I, quarterly I, I, report. You, le- you read right. Fox's quarterly reports, and they always say 
extra revenue came from those pay-per-views, you know? Yeah, exactly. So. But we'll see. We'll see. Who knows, man? Who knows? Right. It just does feel like 2006 all over again. Just, uh, yeah. here we go, 12 pay-per-views. Jesus Christ, you know? Right. All right, buddy. <laughs> exactly. Any any yeah. other items you want to discuss before we get you out of here, sir? Um, no, I was, you know, we also are, um, I mean, not that it's exactly breaking news, but I'm glad that I'm glad it's happening. Um, so we talk about Bam Rodriguez that he won his world title. So his brother, Joshua Franco is now going to get yeah. the fight Juan uh, Francisco Estrada. You know, the WBA is pushing that fight since Estrada is no longer fighting Tocolatito. Now we're getting Joshua Franco and Juan Estrada. My dream is that that fight lands in San Eddie Hearn said he wanted to do Bam and Estrada in San Antonio. So maybe we get that fight and Bam in his first title defense in San Antonio. I'd love to see that happen. Oh, man. Bam will more... Yeah, Bam, I think, is going to fight. If the WBC orders the mandatory, he'll be fighting Sol Rungvisay. Or he could possibly fight the Chocolatito uh, Ray Martinez winner. So, you know, like so many, so many good fights to be made uh, at that weight. So that's a good match from yeah. USA to zone. Because last year, yeah. match from USA had a rough year here, you know. They did. But, yeah. man, that was yeah, that, phenomenal. Right. And, see, these, this is where they do have some good investments. Like, you know, those guys obviously want to get paid, but they're not demanding eight-figure payday. So exactly. you can they make can a make living scheduling these guys. Yeah, mixing and matching mm-hmm. all of them without blowing your budget out of proportion. Between that. And even, you know, with Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano setting, you know, records for what women yeah. are getting for, you know, a, a fight, that, again, it, it's cheaper than, you know, a lot of these other yeah. less relevant fights that they, you know, it, I mean, it's, you know, 10 times cheaper than what they spent on Mikey Garcia and Jesse Vargas. You know, think about yeah. that. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. exactly. And it's, you know, probably the most significant female fight in, in history. So mm-hmm. that's, you know, yeah, keep pushing forward with, with stuff like that. That that makes the zone subscription, you know, worthwhile. Because so, every yeah, fight we just mentioned, Boy, I would absolutely subscribe to the zone for those. Yeah, because yeah, the U.S. stuff, Golden Boy was the one putting on decent cards like that were had more than just the main event, you know, this last year. So if you mix Golden Boy in there with some of the cards they can create, now all of a sudden you're like, all right, Matchroom USA and USA to zone feels like there's more to it now. Because for a second there, it was like, well, what, wait a second, what are we getting over here, though? Is there anything over here? Yeah. You know, like. Cool. Right. Yeah. And All I right, Jake. The Golden Boy and Matchroom would work better together because I, I've always said if Golden Boy had Matchroom's budget on the zone, they'd be running the sport right, right now. Because we've said it, every show they put up, just about every single show they put on, even if the main event wasn't all that, they at least stacked up the undercard to make it feel like they money. Yep. That's yep. what I like about Showtime lately. It's the undercard, yep. you know? Like yep. the co feature, yeah, exactly. like the, the one coming up to 26. That's, I mean. Yeah. Russell's stepping way up. Like, that's a real yeah. deal fight, you know? So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. You take it easy, Jake. Have yourself a good night, buddy. And by the uh, way, thanks, Chris. you know, the the Minnesota kid didn't do so good against the Nashville kid, the Truax and, you know, in, in plant. But we do uh, have right. another fighter fighting out of Minneapolis. Fighting. He's not training any longer, but he's still going to fight right. out of here. So, We'll we'll, we'll have to reconvene in like about a year and, and get that rivalry going again. I'm begging PBC. I said, even though he's with Ronnie Shields now, I said at least bring him back to the Armory because I've never been yep. to a fight at the Armory. That is that is a bucket list item for me in 2022 to cover a fight. Hell yeah, come hoping, on up. I was hoping Fundora and Eric's movement would land, you know would land there. I'm still me you know too. kind of holding out hope for that. But yeah, yep. no, that that is definitely an item for 2022. Either that fight or or David Morrell. one of the other two would definitely get me on the plane to Minneapolis. They usually uh, 
get that second week in April. It's funny because right. two years in a row it snowed. <laughs> that still snowed. It come off like an 80-degree day, and it'll snow. But, yeah, I've, I've been getting a little, you know, chirps of, of when the next show is going to be. So we'll see what they do. All right, you so take it easy, and that would be week, great. If, that would be well, let, great let me say if you came up here. Yeah, let me say this. If they do get that second week in April, then they're getting a pretty damn good card because I know of at least two fights that are going to be on it. So that, that'll be a damn good one. Yeah, All right, Jake. Absolutely. And, and the week before, Spence Ugas, no less. Yep. Heck, yeah. All right, in about a month or so, <laughs> right. we'll, we'll fire this uh, segment right back up, sir. No doubt. Thanks so much as always, Chris. I appreciate you. Thank you. Take it All easy, right, Jake. Have All a good right, one. All right. All right, that was Jake Donovan. One of the best out there, period, point blank, he's straight up. He's not he's not hugging platforms. Not he's not out there just sucking up where he can get some money. I mean, you know, we all kinda suck up a little bit in our jobs, right? But hey, Jake Donovan, good shit, man. Always solid. It's nice to have him on. It's been a while. We got that Jake Donovan segment all up there. Alright, so um Back to that card, though, that Jesus Ramos and Vlad Hernandez, dude. That, I really like that fight. I really like that fight going into it. First round was really competitive. Um, I just thought Ramos landed the cleaner shot. He was just cleaner. You know, I thought uh, Hernandez definitely landed to the head and body. I gave the second round to Hernandez. Um, his left hands, the short shots on the inside. Um, close round. You know, Ramos was jabbing pretty well. Needed to jab more, though, and probably go to the body a little bit more early in the fight. But I did like how he kind of was in the pocket, but moving, upper body movement, covering up a little bit, looking to find openings. Um, And he started to attack the body third and fourth round. Um, He still had Hernandez, you know, good activity. He landed a couple good hard shots, like midway through the third round. But Ramos made that adjustment where it's, like I said, it's he's, he's defensive, but he's jabbing to the stomach. You know, he, he's becoming a little bit more offensive as well, not just letting Hernandez get off on you so much, Boz. Because, you know, that's what Hernandez wants to do. He wants to bully you. you know, he wants to get all up on you. And I thought that was like by the mid-round fight, those jabs, stomach, big exchange in the in – the, uh, probably the – minute into the first uh, or the fifth round two-way action um the left hands were just landing clean for ramos i thought he landed the better shots in that round um but yeah that transition he was making a good transition from defense to offense at close range too um ramos uh also added the uppercut i noticed that um but i think he Speaking of the uppercut, I think he missed an uppercut, but landed the left hand, that left hook, that um, it landed hard. You know what I mean? And then there was a barrage of punches, and it was a TKO. Hernandez did not put up any kind of major complaint or anything like that. Um, That late combination where you saw uh, Vlad Hernandez on the rope, he was definitely hurt. I mean, when you start to not focus on the fighter right in front of you, that's always a bad sign. So, like I said, Jesus Ramos looked damn good. 20 years old. Get this kid, man, 
in Phoenix, like I was just talking to Jake, get his ass in Phoenix. Um, I was going to say, and I heard chirps that he was maybe going to, if, if, if uh, Canelo was going to pick Charlo, that he was going to maybe be on that undercard. That's what I was hearing. Now, obviously, that it sounds like that's not going to happen. But either way, you know, definitely got to get him in Phoenix, dude. You got to get him in front of his hometown. And uh, so many fights at the contender range, at the veteran contender range, at 154 PBC for Ramos. There's there's like multiple young guys. I mean, Tim Zhu. Like there, <laughs> there's so many fights for him. So many, and it's just great because he hasn't even faced a bunch of them yet, right? It's like all fresh matchups for him. So I really like how they've moved him very well, dude. I mean, whether it's getting Fox, you know, shine, you know, getting that Fox uh, platform and just his fights, too. The last few fights, Molina, and like they're stepping him up at a great rate, dude, and he's ready to take off. Now, Leo Santa Cruz against uh, Carbajal, it went out exactly how I, you know, thought it would. Um, you know, um, it's not that, I mean, Leo went to the body plenty, landed big right hands. Like, he was he was doing his thing, but, you know, Carbajal just couldn't do much with him. And especially at 26, obviously – you know, a weight class 122, 118. He had a little bit more power to wear you out and stop you. At 126, he looks better than he does at 130. That's for sure. That's a good weight for him. But he just doesn't have a ton of power. Um, and, you know, it was his first fight since what? Because that, that was actually on Halloween. Halloween 2020, you know. Um, so... He did have a head clash. Um, I'm assuming Magsayo or Magsayo is next. Um, but then again, there is that other fight, Conlin and Lee Wood, which that could be in the mix too. Maybe that's his next two fights. I don't know. I think stylistically, Leo and Magsayo is a good-ass fight to watch. I-, I definitely favor Leo Santa Cruz. But, yeah, he's just a guy that – he wasn't trying to take a ton of risk, but it is nice that he got 10 rounds in, you know. Um, so we'll see where he goes next. Um, but, yeah, the fight was basically kind of how most of us thought it would be. Didn't think it'd be all that, inter- you know. I mean, it was entertaining, but it wasn't competitive. And that's kind of what, what we just kind of all assumed that that's, that's what it would look like. You know what I mean? Um, but, you know, he's coming off a vicious knockout. So I'm not going to sit there and, uh, you know, go too nuts on it, right? Because uh, it is what it is. Um, Luis Neri in, uh, what is it, Carlo Castro? Um, You know, to be fair, I didn't really give Castro – I don't know how he got a scorecard in this, to be honest with you. I had it about seven to three tops. You could argue eight to eight to four. I didn't see it, but maybe eight to four. Maybe I'll go eight four, but I didn't. Or no, not eight four. What am I saying? Um, eight two, or wait, that would be six four. Sorry, yeah, it's a ten rounder. I forgot about that. Um, so I had it seven to three, eight two, but you know, could you go six four? I, I didn't see six four. Um, 
I gave him a few rounds. I, I thought there were some competitive rounds. The fifth round I thought was a clear caster round. Uh, he was landing a couple right hands, right in left hands, a um, couple good uh, exchanges. Um, Castro, to me, was missing his jab way too much. And Neri is, is a wild dude, right? He obviously landed a great jab and a hard left hand that knocked him down several more clean shots after that. So he got off to a great start, you know, first couple rounds. He was kind of like patient, but landing sharp punches, you know. In the fourth round, the pace did slow a little bit. Um, and Castro, to me, was just like he just wasn't being not just active, but effective when he was active. You know what I mean? Um, but there was times like in the seventh round where you could see Castro being a little bit more assertive, you know, and – but in the same – like, I think the seventh may have been a round that you could give him. But I also think that Castro was winning the round, but you could also argue that Neri landed, like, three or four big punches at the end of that round, and it kind of stole the round. So um, I liked – you know, Neri would kind of land several head and body shots. Then he kind of clown him a little bit on defense, then flurry back. He was boxing nicely. He still is just wild. That's his thing. But to me, it was a good blend of offense and defense. You know, lately he's been stuck in this, well, I want to be more responsible. And I get it, right? I know, a lot, especially on boxing Twitter, a lot of hardcore fight fans loved him a couple of years ago when he was just barraging people, just bum-rushing people. And he still has that in his game. Um but I do think he needed to be a little bit more responsible defensively without taking away what he does well, landing those hard left hands and those quick. So I thought he was a lot closer in this fight than he had been of late. But yeah, the whole, you know, um, 95, 94, I don't, I didn't see that. That's a draw. I just thought about that. Yeah, that's a draw because of the knockdown, 96, 93, you know, but, but they have it. You know, I don't know. I just didn't see – I didn't see that. You know, I did not see how they got to – I mean, a scorecard had it 96-94 and really 95-94 because of the knockdown for Castro. I just couldn't – I didn't know what the hell they were looking at there. You know what I mean? I didn't know what the hell that was. But it was a good opener, but Castro was just a little bit tighter. You know what I mean? That's basically what it came down to. Now, the Fox prelims, both of those were good. And we kind of felt that going in it would be. And I think it exceeded it. I mean, we knew Cowboy Carl was going to test Omar Juarez. We knew that. I mean, that was a given. Um, I think Juarez started out really well the first, say, three rounds. I gave him all three. Um, You had a busier Carl because that's, you know, 727 punches, you know, just short of uh, 500 was Juarez, right? So you knew he was going to be busy, but the the cleaner shots, the better shots, the, the straight left hands, huge left hooks, um, that was Juarez early. He was just landing it better, but it was a fun fight, fun round. I mean, the second round was really a good action pack. Now, I did start to give Carl some now. Now, the, the fourth round, 
Um, I thought the pressure and some of that body attack was the difference maker there. The looping right hand and uh, some good body shots, I thought, in the fifth round was Juarez. Uh, a 10-9, 10-8, 9-9, the 10-point must system, obviously. There was a point deducted, um, you know, because of an elbow shiver, I guess you could call it. There was a headbutt cut in there, too, now that I think about in the seventh round. And I thought in the eighth round, Carl won that round. He was, I mean, he was actually jabbing pretty well throughout the fight. Um, but he was kind of timing Juarez jabs and that body and head attack. I, I liked what Carl brought there, but he just kind of outboxing down the stretch, landed the better shots, like I said, some nice counters. Juarez is a sharp puncher. It just, can he keep it the whole fight? And his defense, for how sharp he is and how clean he lands, I will have to say that his defense can let him down at times. Um, but he outlanded uh, – Cowboy Carl, 175 to 139, 35%. I mean, I'm here talking about defense. We know uh, Cowboy Carl isn't. But that's what I like about that fight because we knew that it was just, hey, this is this is what we got. You know, I mean, this is going to be good, you know. I, I liked what I saw there. That was, uh, that was a, a good, good, hard-fought, you know, win. I had it. What did I have it? I had it, I think, I think I had it six to what did I have it six to four something like that. Yeah, six four. Uh, War is maybe five four one something like that. Maybe maybe seven to three, but I think I had it six to four. I, I know like three clean rounds by Carl. Um, the fourth. Uh, well, actually the six two he landed. Yeah, so I did have it six to four. I forgot about that. So six seven eight. Carl definitely made it a tough ass fight. And uh, Juarez, though, to his credit, he's still a young prospect, really. I mean, just because he has a loss, he's still a prospect learning. doesn't have a ton of fights. So um, we'll see where he goes. Um, and then Abel Ramos was supposed to fight Jose Cito Lopez, but Luca Santa Maria, Santa Maria, dude, that, this, was a fun, this was a fun-ass fight, dude. I really... I don't know what that 98-92 stuff was, to be honest with you, but I did. I liked this fight a lot. Um, I actually had Ramos, you know, starting out really well. I thought he won the first two out of three. The left hand, I think, hurt uh, Santa Maria. Um, But, you know, he bounced back from that, countering really well, jabbing really well. Um, But the short left hooks landing Flush for Ramos, um, and he closed stronger, I thought, in the in the third round, whereas uh, Luca kind of just jabbing a little bit. The fourth round was really, really close. Uh, Santa Maria won the round barely. I think he stole that, much like, you know, uh, Ramos stole some other ones. Um, fifth round I gave to Ramos. He was a tad busier, landed bigger, better shots. Fifth, uh, or wait, sixth, seventh, I gave to... Santa Maria. He was busier. Close rounds, but I just thought he was, you know, I thought he was just he had like this last minute, there was some great two-way stuff, but I think a late shot by Luca won that round. Um, But Ramos stayed in there, and his jab and several power punches in general were a little bit better than a couple combinations. Um, 
and these were these were close rounds, nine and ten. You could say were close. It's not that I thought, oh, you know, Santa Maria shouldn't have won the fight. I thought Abel Ramos should have won the fight. You know, I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying that. Um, but the 98-92 for Santa Maria, I didn't, I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't know what the hell that is. 96-94, okay. You can make an argument it's a draw. You can make an argument on both sides, I'd say. It was a good fight. Ramos is, you know, a guy that can, I don't, he's young enough, although he's, you know, he's been in a lot of tough fights. So they can kind of, uh, I mean, he's, it also helps, you know, Jesus uh, Ramos' brother. He can always fight on his cards. Um, but some people thought Ramos won, and I, I can't sit there and fight against that. You know, if you had it 5-5, five, five, you know, maybe you had it 6-4 for either way, maybe 5-4-1, you know. I'm I'm cool with uh, Santa Maria winning, but like I said, that uh, – that eight to two card, to me was just I, I couldn't see that one at all. I was I was I was shook on that one. Um, that about wraps it up. Like I said, the main event, full price pay per view. We've been over this a hundred times. Not a good look on that one. But I will say, as far as undercard goes, which I always say, the last ten years or so, ten, twelve, fifteen years of undercards, we've seen a lot of showcases. We've seen, you know, opening fights be uh, a quick knockout. You know, we've seen maybe a mid-level fight that's really one-sided. I do got to say, both of those, like, both Fox cards, the prelims, in this, in this sense, because they had one July 1st, and then they just had one. Both of those have been money. I like what they're doing there. Now, do I, like we spoke with Jake, do I want to see the 2019 where it's you can get a top 10 guy? You can maybe get a guy coming off a loss in a big fight, you know, staying busy um, against a solid top 15 guy or something like that, um, like we saw many a times. Um, and then you can give us prospects in a real fight and stuff, you know, a variety of that. You know, that's what, I was, that's what I'm hoping it'll turn into since the pandemic hasn't necessarily been that, right? It's been maybe two showcases – and then a quality fight, then a showcase, then a quality fight, then a, you know. But this year, I got to give them credit. Um, like I said, whether it's on pay per view or not, the fights are happening. Okay, so we do have to judge the fights too, and it's going to be tough to beat that January first card of fights. Like I said, five out of the seven popped off. So you tell me how many times you watch a card and there's seven fights and five out of the seven are good fights. This one was more like, well, I had a lot of interest in Thurman coming back. Um, he just looked better than a lot of people thought he would as far as pretty much dominating the beyond him, having like two or three rounds where he did get caught clean, kind of, uh, you know, what we saw. But on to, uh, so yeah, like I said, let's see, one, two, so four out of the five, five, or wait, the Leo Santa Cruz one I had no really interest in, just wanted to see Santa Cruz get back, and then boom, as a co-feature, wasn't crazy about it. But I did do what I told you to do last week. I I didn't pause it, but right when the Santa Cruz fight was on, and this is the perfect transition, the, the Carlos Cuatros and Jesse Bam Rodriguez was on. So that was really 
my co-feature. We had I had two buddies over here. We were watching the fight. We all pitched in, so it wasn't a big deal. But the co-feature in my place, in my house, was Quachos and Rodriguez. So as a fight night, I was like, oh, this is perfect. I watched a little bit of the Santa Cruz fight. Don't get me wrong. But um, it kicked in at the right time, dude. It really did. And then when that was done, boom, they're doing their ring walks, and then all of a sudden it's the main event. Anyway, um, you know, when you look at, like, how this fight went, um, this was a dominant performance by uh, Jesse Bam Rodriguez. Now, he's been billed as the youngest champion out here. Um, you know, obviously, the, it's, it's a little funky. This is kind of like a regular title because it was vacant or interim. Was it interim or vacant? Because they have our, our lovely thing at 115 now, the WBC franchise. Now, that allowed um, a potential fight to happen with Gonzalez and, you know, Chocolatito and Estrada, right? We were going to get the trilogy, and then, um, you know, that had to be pulled out, uh, unfortunately. But we got two good fights. Now, like Jake just was talking about reporting about, you know um, – Franco, Franco is going to get a, a fight against because he was sitting there waiting for the winner. And the franchise thing made that happen um, as far as, like I said, having the trilogy. But now that there's no trilogy, he's got a – the mandatory is Estrada and, and Joshua Franco, who had that great performance during the bubble um, and has been in, you know, trilogies and fun fights and stuff like that, of course. Um, so, you know, this is an interim belt. This is like a WBA regular. So it is kind of funny how we pick and choose when to say someone's got a trinket in a secondary title and when not to. Um, but there's two titles now at the WBC. So if we're going to be hard on the WBA, then, you know, what are we going to do? You know, because remember 35, they had three titles. They had an interim, Haney, and the franchise, right? They got that. Well, they they had that at 140. That's no longer. But um, it is what it is. You know, I'm not going to take anything away from Bam. I'm just I'm just bringing it up because we always hear about secondary titles and how they're not real titles. Well, isn't this a secondary title? Franchise was involved. That's why this franchise shit is so silly. Um, but either way. I'm just putting that out there. But Bam Rodriguez, the opening round was close. I would, uh, like, Quattro started well. He was busy. But a couple of shots, just a few better shots I saw from Bam. And he put in some late body work. Um, early pressure from Quattro. And he did really well in the last part, too. That was a close round. That could have went either way. Um but the pivoting in the angles, in, in in spots throughout the fight, and the flush combinations, especially midway in that round, uh, this late uppercut that Bam landed, he, he really started doing some damage. And then in the third round, Quattro's came out once again, looked pretty good. Um, you know, put in some nice body work. Um, off of a pivot, gorgeous. I think it was a right uppercut 
early in that round by Bam Rodriguez, put him on his ass. Now, to, to Quattro's credit, he did actually come back fairly strong in that round. Another close one um, in the fourth. There were some really nice exchanges. Um, but I think Rodriguez landed like a hard left hand. I kind of think that was the difference. Two-way action in the fifth again. Flush shots with a minute left or so uh, by Rodriguez. But I think the jab, the combinations, and kind of a late rally gave Quattro's the fifth round. Another busy start in the next round. You know, Quattro's just kept doing the same thing, but bam, made his way on the inside using those angle, angles and just landed clean on him. I uh, did give Quadros a seventh to jabs and right hands. Both guys, you know, nose were bleeding by that time. Um, but then Rodriguez closed strong. He really did. Eighth, ninth, tenth. Um, heavy shots. He was moving a little bit more on the outside by that time, right? Because that made sense. But um, Rodriguez boxing well behind the jab, too, I should mention. It was just an all-purpose display from Jesse Bam Rodriguez. And like I said, those angles, he can bang with you, he can move on the outside, he can stay at a punching range, but use angles and get off. Dude, that was was really one of those, okay, we got got a guy down here, and he's going to make some noise for a long, long time. Kudos to you, Bam Rodriguez. He stood out, as far as all the fighters, he stood out number one on. Then I think uh, Jesus Ramos. And then I'd say Thurman only because, you know, we didn't know what the hell we were going to get from Thurman. And uh, I thought he looked pretty good all in all. Um, So it was, you know, we had the Eubank Jr. He scored knockdowns like first, second, fourth, or fifth. I think it was fourth round. Knocked him down again in the, was it the second to last round? You did see Williams kind of make some some movement back, right, and, and win some of those middle rounds. But it was pretty one-sided, like I kind of thought it would be. Eubank Jr. looked good, though. Like I said, especially in the first, say, four, five rounds. Then he kind of slowed down a little bit. Williams did have a little success, nothing crazy. Um, it's not like what's his tell scorecard where he was super. And then Clarissa Shields, just a one-sided fight. Just completely dominant, easy to score. Nothing much to it. Um, win, but a good win at that. Now, I got to admit, I, I did watch, you know, Daily Motion the next day and the day after I watched those. I did not pay for that pay-per-view. I wasn't going to pay for that pay-per-view and the other one. And, and no, you know, whereas I can get people to pitch in for this one, so I pitched, you know, 25 bucks a piece. I didn't, I didn't pay for that. I told you last week I wasn't going to do that pay-per-view. I didn't do the heavyweight pay-per-view. The Don King pay-per-view, I didn't do that one either. Um, But I did end up watching it. I didn't live stream it, so I didn't do anything illegal. If it's on Daily Motion, if it's on all the best fights, if it's on YouTube, that's on that platform. They can go talk to them. But um, I didn't live stream it, like I said, but I did watch it back. Um, And, you know, the first chunk of that fight, Eubank looked pretty good. Clarissa looked good. Uh, She was dominant, but... You know, it's tough, man. Like, how many big fights, you know, the Marshall fight, there's other fights out there, but um, after the Marshall fight, okay, what's next? You know, it's going to be, that's the thing. Like, 
some divisions are deeper than others, but they all kind of fall off because there's just not that many. You can go to BoxRec and see like a thousand welterweights or something like that, you know what I mean, registers. And then it'll be like 40 or 50 registered fighters in a division. And that's obviously a lot of different levels. When I say a thousand, it's not like, you know, 877 is a tough fight too. You know, I'm not saying that, like top to bottom, you know. But that's part of what we're seeing, some of the exposure it's getting, especially in the U.K. We're going to have some more exposure here, like Jake was even saying, um, with that Serrano and Katie Taylor fight. By the way, they did do really good sales, pre-sales, which is dope. I think uh, judging by the tickets, they priced them correctly. So kudos to them. It looks like that's going to be a, a, a you know a packed house, whether it sells, or not, sells out or not. Who cares? That their pre-sale I think they beat the pre-sale record of, what was it, Golovkin and Lemieux, something like that. Um, But obviously, you know, ticket prices are a little different. But, you know, my point is they kind of have to keep having all these fighters keep pushing it. And then, you know, amateurs now will continue to be influenced. And next thing you know, the depth will continue to grow. You know what I mean? Because right now, it's pretty easy to put belts together, if you're being honest. You know, we see two real belts. You know, like, it's easy to get big. It's even undisputed. It's pretty easy to put these fights together, uh, money-wise. And there's just not a lot of depth. That's the problem. You know, that's the only, that's one of the biggest problems, uh, is the depth, you know. But, and so you get, my point is, it's not... Clarissa's fault that she just dominated this girl, this woman, you know. It just, there's only going to be so many fighters that can even hang with some of these females, you know what I mean? Um, as far as winning rounds, not just surviving, you know. I'm really looking forward to that uh, Serrano, uh, Taylor. I like Serrano in that, not hugely, but I like it. Um, and a lot has been made of, you know, Serrano, I think, saying, Oh, Katie Taylor turned down the 12 rounds, three-minute rounds. You know, they've already put pen to paper. They, they've already agreed to what it was going to be. And to be honest with you, like, if they're going to ever go to three-minute rounds, it's got to be at least – it'll just kind of happen, right? Maybe they'll say in three months or six months or maybe let's say in the, the – let's say if they did it next year. They say sometime in the fall, hey, we're going to change this. Because do you want to have a camp for your your biggest fight of your career is going to be longer, and it's going to be longer every minute, every round. That's a little funky in your biggest fight. So a lot of people are down on Taylor for not taking it. It'd be dope, and at some point you're going to have to change. But, you know, if you've been training for two-minute rounds this whole time, it's a lot harder than you think just to be like, oh, we're good. Now, it's not as hard for, you know, these women because they've had a bunch of fights, you know. But they're going to, if they ever change it, they're going to have to, and it won't be universal change, by the way, right? It just won't be because it's up to the state commissions here. Maybe in the U.K. they could universally change it. I don't know. Um, But I just don't think, People should get down on Taylor because she didn't accept it, especially when they already signed the contract. You know, you know, 
maybe you should have not budged and, and make it that way, you know, instead of saying it later, you know. To me, it's more like a way to pump up the fight. Oh, she was scared or whatever, you know what I mean? It, it's not really reality to change the contract. I'm not saying this is a great example, but you know how always people say, oh, won't you just, uh, you know, the winner gets to take more. The winner, the winner takes, or the winner takes all, you know, or just the, the winner gets the more. Dude, but then you, you're leaving in the hands of judges. You can't, you know, when you're talking about top level against top level, it's hard to knock top level guy, people out, boxers, right? Women, men. And so we hear that a lot. Like, well, why doesn't the winner just get 70%? It's a, that, you can't do that, dude, because what is what you're going to get robbed and get less money and you're the A-side? No, nah, it's revenue-based. That's how it is. And I don't think we should get down on Taylor for that, to be honest with you. Now, it's going to change. It's going to affect people. But it's not as simple, especially if you're within the first 10 fights of your career and you've been doing two-minute rounds. you got to have a different camp for the next fight. I'm not saying that it's not possible. Of course it is. And I'm sure they do three-minute rounds if not five-minute rounds, some of them, right? So I just think it's it's kind of a big ask in your biggest fight. They're, they're billing it as the, you know, the first, the biggest, not the first, but the biggest women's fight ever. Then all of a sudden you're going to tweak it at the, you know, after you've already agreed upon. I just, I just can't get you mad about that. Anyway, uh, there is a little under 10 minutes left of the live stream. The number dial is 646 Three eight one four nine nine zero. If you're listening to it in the browser right now, you have nine minutes, 24, 23, 22 seconds left. Call 646-381-4990 if you want to join in at the end and listen to the rest of the show. Anybody online that's chilling, maybe listen to the, you know, I do notice a couple of new area codes or maybe just new numbers in those area codes. If you want to press 1 and join in, that's cool. If not, you're just listening, that's cool, too. Uh, for the weekend, we do have uh, Daniel Jacobs and John Ryder on the zone. And it's kind of, you know, it's an interesting fight. There, there, I do have some interest in this one here. I think it's a good, just a solid, kind of like I said when the zone um, – announced their fights, you know, their fight schedule early. I thought there was some good crossroads-type fights in there, and I, and I would definitely classify this as that. But how long is – so he's been out for a while. I didn't realize how long Danny had been out. Um, I know, you know, that Gabe Rosado fight, that's a throwaway fight. I mean, Chavez Jr. as an opponent at this point, that never really did much to me, but he, he didn't – or for me, I should say, but he didn't really look all that great in that fight. But the if you would have said I think Rosado won, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have said no. I was fine with the draw in that fight. Uh, I think it was a split decision, and it, it, there were seven to five all the cards. But that fight was in 2020, November 2020. And now Jacobs has come back to Rozier, I believe. They're back. He's back with his trainer. Um, now that he's not fighting Canelo for a huge purse, he's, he's ready to give, you know, some money back to Rozier. <laughs> no, um, but it's been, yeah, it's been, it's been shit. I mean, 13 months, no, 14, 15 months. So he's been out of the ring for a while. It's funny. Um, no one's 
really talked about some of these other guys that have been out of the ring for a while. Um, obviously, you talk about Keith Kids, it was 30, 30 months. Um, and even Santa Cruz, you know, he was out since that knockout same time. But he's, you know, going against a little bit different level, <laughs> a lot different level, really. John Ryder is a good fighter. He's solid. He's game. He's a lot of things, right? Um, some people did think that he did enough a few years back against Callum Smith. Um, that was a competitive round, or a competitive round. It was a competitive fight. Um, he had a really close, this is even a couple years behind, I think 2017, 18, he had that close fight. He lost it, a split decision with uh, Rocky Gilding. Um, he lost before that to some, I want to say like a prospect. I can't remember who it was. I know Nick Blackwell he lost to. That was a while ago now. Um, Billy Joe Saunders, obviously. That was a long-ass time ago. In fact, let me check really quick. What? Uh... But I think this is, yeah, that was 2013. Billy Joe Saunders. That was a split decision, too. That's that Billy Joe where he looks good for, like, half of it, and then the other half is like, uh, whatever. Um, that's just how Billy Joe is. Besides the Lemieux fight, though, that's um, but what's, what, ha, what's Jacob has left? How motivated is he? Because I got to admit that the last two fights, he hasn't looked motivated whatsoever. And at 168, he hasn't looked good at all. He hasn't really looked good at all. So, you know, I don't know. I am interested in that. Like I said, he went back to his former trainer. So maybe... That'll spark him a little bit. He's in there with a real dude. Ryder's a good fighter. Um, breaking down Ryder's style, definitely got that high guard. Um, likes to work his way on the inside. But at times, like that Kelly Smith fight, at times it's like he's way too tentative for what he wants to accomplish, if that makes sense. It's like he's got a pretty decent quick jab. He's kind of a compact and structured guy, you know, a short, compact structure. You know, once he's inside, uh, he could do some decent damage to the body. Um, he'll def- that's a must in this one. You know, getting Danny on the ropes and working to the body. Decent body puncher once he's inside. But like I said, going back to getting inside, he's either too tentative or he follows you. There's times where he could have put Callum Smith on the rope way more. And when he did, he, he, he was handling him in a sense. Um, but don't don't be surprised if this is a slower-paced fight. You know, there, there's going to be maybe moments where it's good back and forth. And and, and I think once uh, – if, if John Ryder does work his way inside and does start to open up, I think Daniel Jacob Daniel Jacobs is like it's kind of what bring it to him is how he's going to fight. Otherwise, he is like I think kind of a pattern fighter. He follows the same pattern and whatnot, jab and right hand, and he can land to the body really well. Sometimes he looks to counter, go for a big, huge punch where he'll get countered. We've seen that plenty. Should even Mora, an older version, way older version of Mora, put him on the mat. Um, but a good fundamental, Jacob's got good fundamental, uh, you know, skills. He's not 
a guy that's going to be on the move too much unless it's like just subtle movement, kind of like what he did against Golovkin. Um, he can compete in the middle of the ring and whatnot, but I don't think he's going to have the advantage there. It'll be all about for Ryder getting inside and kind of in a hurry, you know, not overly hurry, but you know what I mean? There's times I was watching a little bit of that Callum Smith fight again, and he was just so tentative. And I know, don't get me wrong, Callum Smith has a reach. Uh, you know, he's got a lot going for him as far as height and whatnot. And he was trying to work on the inside and stuff like that. So I, I get that. Um, but I don't know. Like, like what was it? It's 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 pretty. What it, I think it's like six three Cali Smith, but his reach is super long. You know, um, I do remember that. I want to say it's like seventy seven or seventy eight, something like that. Whereas five eleven, seven three. You know. 73 to 72. So it's really not, he'll have a little height, Jacobs will. I think he'll probably want to keep him in the center of the ring, move around a little bit, use his jab, try to set up big shots, dig to the body. I like Jacobs by decision, um, but only if he's going to show up all the way. Uh, It's been a while since he's been in the ring. How long will it take for him to get the rust off? Because although there's not much into it, um, at least he fought in September. Um, he being um, a writer, you know, at least he got out and got a fight in, you know, so we'll see. My guess is Jacobs has been working on the fundamentals again, kind of getting back with Rozier and figuring out how he wants to approach this. By the way, Almost a minute left. Six four six three eight one four nine nine zero. I saw some folks um, jump in that were listening to the browser. Come on in. We still have plenty of fight news to talk about. But yeah, I like uh, Danny Jacobs. I think he's just a better fighter as long as it's not the one that was in that game fight. And like I said, this one could be. I'm not going to say a snoozer because I think it has a chance to. You know, if I were Jacobs, which, by the way, I'm not, both these guys are going to be, you know, hungry to make a statement, you think, because they can. this can lead to a better fight. But, like I said, sometimes the tentativeness of both of them, both of them can be tentative, if we're being honest. But Jacobs lately, like, I thought he did okay against Canelo. It's a weird style for him. I thought he did okay. I didn't have it. Eight to four or seven to five, like some people. I thought it was. I thought it was more like ten to two, nine to three. But um, it is a crossroads fight, and that can mean, you know, you got to turn in the right lane and get in the slow lane for some of these older guys, right? You just don't have it anymore. And it also can make someone just that urgency, that feel that urgency. Which guy, Ryder or Jacobs, is going to have some urgency in this fight? And I'm not saying from the jump. But, yeah, tentative start. Hopefully that it, it picks up and we get ourselves a good fight. But I am looking forward to it. I think it's a good mid-level type crossroads fight. And just me saying that sentence kind of, you know, gets my uh, motor running, I guess you could say. Because I'm like, okay, that, that's got a chance. That's got a chance. So let's hope for the best. There are some other fights, but we're not really going to preview and predict them too uh, deep into it, you know what I'm saying? Um, 
there, like I said, there is there is some other fights on there, but um, not really gonna um, predict too much on that one. Um, ESPN Plus has a ooh a WBO European middleweight fight. Uh, Dennis Indignum, by the way. Um, Let's see, that's from London, too, so that'll be during the day, that fight. I forgot to say that, uh, that Jacobs uh, fight. And, yeah, because that Showbox, yeah, that Showbox is next weekend. So, yeah, it's a light weekend. It is what it is. It's a little bit on the light side, but, you know, like I said, it is what it is. So, um, yeah, I got Jacobs by decision. Um, do 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 Real quick on this Cambosa stuff, because we've heard just everything. We've heard two fight deals where Garcia's going to have this somewhat of a, you know, tune-up, and then maybe George will have a tune-up, and then they'll fight later this year. Obviously, Australia right now, you know, it's if you're in Australia already, like George could be, right, you could be planning stuff because the rules and the regulations, excuse me, they could change, right? Right now, they can't do a full capacity fight there in Australia. Um, So it's hard to plan a fight over there because it's like, well, okay, like, I'd be down to go. That's what Haney and Lomachenko says. But in the same breath, it's like, well, I mean – if you know, like I said, if you were already based there, and you just anticipated that they were going to change, you know, the 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 restrictions, well, that's a little bit different. You could be like, hey, let's try June. We should be good by June. In a few months, they'll be, probably start changing it. You know, could be right. But in the same breath, if you are Haney or if you are Lomachenko or whatever, it's February ninth. So if you're going to fight. I mean, the April fight, I assume, is done. Are you going to fight in May or June? Because if so, you know, to have that two-week quarantine time, you know, you can't do your camp, start your camp, and then be like, all right, let's take two weeks off, then get the camp going. You know, they got to know a way ahead of time. And so that's the problem here, a little bit. You know what I mean? Um, Because we've heard – you know, so much stuff from Cambosis saying, you know, they got to come to Australia. But at the same time, he says, I'm waiting for an offer. Well, from the sounds of it, he's been offered by top rank. Lomachenko made that clear. Because um, we heard a couple of weeks ago that he had made an offer to everybody. On the four kings and Lomachenko. Well, maybe not to a female, because he's probably going to be at 40. But you know what I mean. And... So it's kind of weird. You know, we've heard from uh, Bill Haney, who was actually on Shuts Out the Nest, the boxing voice. And he said, well, you know, Eddie has already agreed that he'll take care of. Sorry, I'm having a little issues. I got the hiccups. That he'll take care of the Devon side if you guys take care of your fighter. So it won't be such a burden on you guys coming up with the money. And we'll do the fight there. We'll take care. Like the zone, Eddie would take care of paying for Haney, which is like, okay, well, you are kind of giving them a break then because they're paying for that, 
you know, but then are they going to get a broadcaster involved? You know, it, it's kind of weird. But then in the same breath, and this is a tweet, you know, George Cambosis on Haney said the kid's scared and his own broadcaster won't back him because he ain't, he's not bringing in the subscriptions, which we really don't know because they've only released two times their subscriptions. And he said, cold hard truth, poor kid sold like 500 tickets in his last fight. I was there. It was hometown, too. Uh, he did more in his club debut, right? But so we, we hear a lot of stuff. He, he goes on to say, he tweeted this, I fought in England, Greece, Malaysia, New Zealand four times in America to become world champion. I earned my stripes while some of these boys with bigger egos than accolades can't even go to another American state to fight, let alone 8,000 miles down under. And that's fun and everything, but if you have this big stadium you're talking about, then why aren't you making the offers? And the big problem, when people say, oh, DAZN's not ready to put up the money for Haney, but they'll do it for Garcia. Maybe they'll do that at pay-per-view. They feel like Garcia would do better on pay-per-view, right? Which, that, that's fair, whatever, okay. You know, maybe you can drive up some of the numbers or subs or whatever the hell, right? But here's the problem. From the sounds of it, it they want to control the fight, but have DAZN pay for it. So if DAZN pays for the whole fight, if you pay for a whole fight, right, you buy the fight, it's not a purse bid, but you, you just put all this money down, then DAZN should have control where they want it to be. Whether they, maybe they meet in the middle and they go to UK. Maybe they do go to Australia, but maybe they can't do the Australia fight right now. And maybe that's why we hear about the two-fight deals, potentially, because that gives them a little bit of breathing room to be able to make sure you can do a stadium fight. I think Cambosa should get the, the big fight in Australia. I'm all on board. I have been. But, however, you got to, like, it's weird to say, okay, I want it here, but you pay me. Okay, cool. But, you know. How, how do we know what if, if we're if we're gonna pay you like it's a full stadium, and by that time it's not, then that messes up the revenue. Um, but this is what Ludabella, because right now if you if you tweet or reply anything Cambosis, if you want a fighter to talk to you or back what you're saying or argue with them, just tweet uh, Cambosis right now. But this is what he was saying. Um, most keyboard, this is Ludabella, most keyboard boxing promoters don't understand that the U.S. is collateral revenue when the reigning king of the lightweights, uh, Cambosas, has the support of the Australian continent. We aren't waiting for offers from anyone or accepting anyone's offers. They will or will not accept ours. So it's funny, he said it, Ludabella's promoter says we're not waiting for offers, but yet that's been what Cambosis has said. I'm waiting for an offer. You know, send me an offer then. Well, it's like they've already, you know, the ESPN Lobachenko side is sending an offer. Maybe it's not good enough for them. Um, now, this is according to Bill Haney on the Haney side, that Eddie is willing to pay for the side of Devin. Since we can't control the fight, how about we take a little bit off of you so we'll get this side, 
and then we'll negotiate where where we're going to, you know, hold the not just where we're going to hold the fight. We can go to Australia, but the broadcast. But this is what he goes on. And I guarantee you that someone will. Oh, well, hold on. They will or will not accept our offers. I guarantee you that someone will and that the fight will be major international. It will be a major international boxing event and that it will be in Australia. It was all. It will also be fought in front of more paying fans than 99.9% of American fighters uh, have ever seen or will ever see. And it's like, okay, cool. Then send an offer then. And obviously, it's probably taking a while for that exact reason. You know, and remember, when, when was this? November? So it's not like it's been six or eight months of this, you know? So it does take a little while especially when it's bag over there as far as, you know, who knows when full capacity. You'd assume they'd have to do full capacity, you know. Um, so I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, but what I'm talking about is, like, someone was talking shit about Cambosis, and he, he followed up with a tweet. What do you want about, mate? I'm fighting either Lomachenko or Haney, period. So the Garcia stuff's out the window then. There's a lot of behind-the-scenes that the average fan does not see a lot of games. But anyone in my position would take an easy fight, not me, mate. I thrive thrive with the best challengers. Stay tuned. So they're figuring it out. They're getting it figured out, which I totally get because there's a lot to figure out, especially if they don't have, um, you know, full capacity right now and by the way they you know australia does pay-per-views all the time in fact for a while there i think it's changed minorly because fox is over there now uh or it's on there fox has been there but i think it's on there of course the zone probably shows some fights there too but for a while it was much like canada where a lot of stuff we complain about pay-per-views here canada and australia pretty much every fight was was uh pay-per-view now it wasn't seventy five bucks. Probably wasn't even forty, but they do have a, a, a you know a pay per view. UFC does pay per view there's a lot, so they have a, you know they have a revenue right there. But my thing is on the Cambosis side. Okay, then don't be chattering about all this shit about sending me an offer when your your own promoters telling you we're going to send the offers. You know. Okay, well then cool. Then let's not. I always talk about it online because we know a lot of these fights online that are talked about, what happens? They don't get fucking made. And that's the thing. I mean, we're still in this, you know, in the 2020 summer, you know, remember when uh, multiple people said, we got to we gotta find a nickname for these lightweights, dude. The, the four kings, right? Now, we've had some good fights there, but we don't have any four kings. We don't have uh, – Teofimo's a 140-pounder now, but he never fought any of the other four kings, the Devin Haney, the Ryan Garcia, the Gervonta. Those were the four kings that, you know, some people were like, yeah, dude, they're going to save boxing. And, you know, that's what's so funny. All this stuff – every time something new comes up, it's like, oh, dude, these guys are going to all fight each other within a year or two. You know, it's like, no, they're fucking not. And my my problem with this is like, you rip these other fighters for, you know, 
working up to fights, right? They're fighting a lot in the top ten, and then the biggest moneymaker comes at the end of it. But then you'll just jump and be like, oh, dude, the lightweights, man. Those guys, listen to them in interviews. Listen to their promoters. Listen, to, They want to fight everyone, dude. Yeah, they do. But it's a business, unfortunately. And so they're going to, like I always said, I thought Ryan Garcia and Tank got that last year before, uh, you know, Manny Pacquiao came into the scene, right, and stole Ryan Garcia away for a little bit. And then he had mental health problems, you know, and, and then he had an injury. So, but but this whole thing of, oh, this these four guys, listen to their interviews. Even Cambosis, listen to his interviews. They're interviews, though. They're just interviews. Doesn't mean this shit's done. Doesn't mean, you know, it could be a two-fight deal. Maybe they'll go right to Lomachenko and Haney. I hope. You know, I hope. But I'm not sure. I mean, also, Devin Haney has a decision to make him and bill you know if you're a he's a free agent he works with eddie fight by fight he's getting paid big money and more power to him but that's part of it you know they went up the independent way and i respect they were with showtime too building that up not to say they had a deal with them or whatever but they were on showbox and all that and then they decided to take a huge money you know deal basically and but now you know if the zone of course they want ryan garcia over Devin in a sense because they know at least golden boy has him under contract and the zone is just finalizing a deal with golden boy to to continue their relationship so if Devin does beat you know someone he could dip and go fight tank it's just like peace out i'm going to showtime for a couple fights and in a year i'm going to fight you know Tank, and what would they do? He'd just be gone, you know. So, sure, do they think Ryan Garcia overall could, if they want to do it on pay per view, could could he sell more pay per views? Maybe, you know, possibly. Um, but this is what Dan Raphael was saying, right, about this whole situation. The Loma fight is uh, is in discussions, as is Garcia. Both are on the table. Dazone has no interest in a Haney fight. He says, cost, return, math. Although Cambosis himself said it's either going to be Haney or Momachenko, and I kind of felt like that was going to be the scenario. But we just keep doing this every time. It's like, when the fuck do you guys learn that it's a business? And yeah, in the cruiserweight division, you can do a, a, a World Series of boxing. Why? Because you're offering money that they're not going to see unless they go to heavyweight. So it's much easier. You know, at 140, they could do that that tournament. Now, they didn't have, you know, Ramirez in there and some other guys, but it was a damn good tournament and established, you know, an undisputed, or not undisputed, but a unification. It was, it was good. But that was because they were offering money that's not there normally. So, and they still had to do a fight after that, right, to, to be able to do it. That was a great fight with Ramirez and, and Taylor. But it just, every time it happened. And it's like they're projecting on these guys. Listen to their interviews. It's just like Eddie Hearn. Remember, pay-per-view's dead. They had a whole. They had commercials. They had that uh, office space commercial, or you know, I don't think it was an actual commercial. Was it? Was it a commercial? That video of them kicking the TV, and it was pay-per-view. Pay-per-view's dead. Beating pay-per-view's ass. Right? We're not doing pay-per-view. Pay-per-view's dead. This, that, and the other. 
now they're doing well. They already were doing uh, pay-per-view options for Canelo before, right? Two of them, I think they've done. Now they're going to do pay-per-view for Bibble and Golovkin if that you know takes place. And like Jake Donovan said, that Bibble is a hard sell here in America. They're not going to do eight hundred thousand buys like they did with Plant. You could say Plant isn't a huge fan base, but he was on Fox getting one point five to two million viewers for like a while now. So. People talk, right? People talk. They, they say something first. It is what it is. It's promoter talk, manager talk, fighter talk. The business talks, though, the most. And there's a lot of mixed messaging. It is what it is. Just like, like I said earlier, Eddie Hearn saying, well, why would – because remember, the PBC was given or a free fight. You could fight Charlo Plant and Benavides or just fight Plant. Well, remember what Eddie had to say about that? Why would he do a multi? Why would he do two or three fights in a row? Why would he sign off? He's a free agent. What's the point of being a free agent if you're not a free agent? But then he just is offering a two-fight deal. So it's just business. It's no big deal. You know, it is what it is. It just get information, put it on the wall, mix it up in a pot, and see what actually is logically going to come out business-wise. That's all I'm saying. By the way, Ryan Garcia – in a manual to go uh, are finalizing a fight for April 9th here in the States. So whether that's a two fight deal or they're just going to get him out, you know, I don't know. By the way, a little, little follow up on that MSG card. Uh, they said more than 6,000 tickets were sold in that, that pre-sale. So that was dope. That's really dope. I like that. That's good shit. Um, anytime, any fight deck, get, you know, some love like that. I'm all about it, and I'm all about it. So, um, Eddie Hearn, this is from uh, Talk Sport. Eddie Hearn is revealed that there has been talks for a potential Derek Chisora and Luis Ortiz fight. Um, good action fight, I guess, right? But that also tells you that Ruiz is probably – a little more, it's going to take him a little while to rehab that knee, because that's supposed to be the fight that's supposed to happen. Um, uh, according to WTOL 11, which is a local uh, Cincinnati, uh, I think, uh, outlet, Robert Easton Jr. was shot three times and robbed on Sunday night. His father confirmed. We've seen pictures now. He had to undergo surgery to remove the bullet fragments, and he's doing pretty good. I, you know, We've seen some posts from it, so that that's good that he's doing, you know, doing better. Um, oh, that undercard, the 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 Charlo Castano, March nineteenth, is on, right? The rematch. It's at Staples Center, so it's not in Texas, which helps Castano a lot. That's cool. But Tim Zhu and Goucher, Tim Zhu is on the undercard. I talked a little bit about this with Jake. I am so happy Tim Zhu because he's up for something coming up, right? He's, he's right on nipping at the guys, Pops, and he's actually, you know, in there. I think it was, uh, I think it was the WBO route, wasn't it, with Castano? That he's, uh, they had this, I think it was a step-aside deal, and so it's cool that he got this opportunity. He's fighting in the States. He knows where the big fights for him are under the PBC platform, so it works out perfect that he's the co-feature. And also uh, Gomez, 
the Cuban who just looked great not long ago um, against Cotto or Cota, I should say. So I think that's a dope fight because for Gomez, that's a you know that's a good step for him. Um, so I really like that theme of that card, the 154 pound theme, everything, dude. I'm feeling it. Um, so 20 and 0, Tim Zhu, co-feature against 22 2 and 1, uh, Terrell Goucher. Um, I love that. That's dope. Just a little bit more follow up here. Uh, Eddie Hearn has told reporters that he wants Demetrius Andre versus David Benavidez. Andre versus Zach Parker for the WBO interim next with Benavides and David Lemieux for the WBC interim. He basically is saying, hey, the WBC and WBO could just agree on making that the mandatory, the winner, Andre and Benavides. We'll see if that goes anywhere or if, you know, one of them has different plans, obviously Benavides. And as Jake said, he, he uh, tweeted this earlier the WBA is formally ordered Juan Francisco Estrado against uh, Joshua Franco. Um, I like that fight. I'm glad that they didn't make him wait. I would have rather seen, you know, I definitely would have rather seen, uh, you know, the Gonzalez fight for the trilogy, but I would have liked to seen that got cleaned up a little bit. A lot of people thought Gonzalez won. I wasn't, I don't think Gonzalez got robbed in that fight. That's just me, but I am biased towards Estrada. I'll, I'll fully admit it. Um, got a couple other items. This is more of the hardcore scene here. Um, uh, match room. Joshua Buatze against Craig Richards. Um, that's going to be April or May. I guess the match room has uh, planning shows on April 16th and May or no, wait, May 7th or May 14th in London. Watse and Richards. I like that fight. That's a good, good fight for that level. I really like that fight. Oh, yeah, and then I just got <laughs> – someone just messaged me about Sean Porter um, saying, you know, Boots is overrated. And, you know, a lot of people were pissed off or whatever. But, you know, you can think about Boots however you want. He's the next, you know, next guy to be dominant. He's next in general. He's going to be a star now that he's aligning himself more and more with the PBC. He's got a Clayton fight coming up, which I think at this level is a good fight for him as he, you know, puts himself in. We know that no matter what happens with Spence in the next couple of fights, if he were to get past Ugas or whatever, if he lost Ugas, he probably, maybe he'd have a rematch, but he's going to 54 within the year probably. So these belts are going to come for us. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, he technically is overrated right now off his resume. Now, we know why his resume isn't a little better. First of all, he did have that, you know, that that promoter-manager issue, you know, and he, and he got that squared away. So now it does seem like he's aligning himself which is what you got to do. Oh, who's got all the, no matter if it's the zone, what weight class is talking about? 115, you got to go to the zone. 122, probably got to go to uh, to Showtime. 118, that's still kind of the zone, right? I'd say that's the zone. 
well, top rank a little bit because anyway, I suppose. But, you know, 154 PVC, 175, eh, it's kind of a mixture, I suppose. Um, but you get my draft. Um, and so by him not being able to do that earlier did hurt him, you know, because the bigger threat you are, the more they're going to want to deal with you, you know, which you can't or not deal with you straight up, just one fight by fight, you know. There's exceptions to the rules, but overall, you know, it is what it is. So he hasn't, his resume, you got to put resume in shit. That's my point. That you got to, you got to, no matter who you think's going to win fights, you still got to win the fight. And you can sit there and say, hey, nobody's rushing to fight uh, Boots Ennis. That's very true. That's very true. But that's not a new story in boxing. You know? when Spe- I mean, Spence had to grind his way up. Thurman wasn't. Thurman's like, go get a belt. It's always go get a belt. You know? Establish your name. He had to wait like nine or ten months just to let, um, you know, the injury that uh, – that um, Kel Brook had. He had to wait on that and be out for 10 months just because he knew a title shot was next. So it's a grind. You, you work your way up, especially at divisions that are more money divisions. So is he overrated? Yeah, he's overrated right now, but that doesn't mean he can't be the top. That doesn't mean he can't be a pound-for-pound guy. It doesn't. It doesn't. But I'd have to agree with because it's the way people talk about him and that's why I think Porter made a good point is like when people talk about him, it's like, oh, he'd demolish him. Oh, he'd wash him. Oh, that's not even a fight. It's like, oh, he'd destroy Thurman. He would destroy Spence. It's like, well, dude, calm down a little bit. And that's where the overrating happened. Just like Golovkin. He was, you know, he was fighting good vets. He finally fought a guy in his prime like Jacobs, and it was a close-ass fight. He was hurt to the body. He didn't look like he had looked prior. And then all of a sudden, everybody that was trying to compare him to Hagler and B-Hop, next thing you know, oh, he's over the hill. No, Canelo fought him when he was over the hill. Nope, no, he's over the hill. Well, if Golovkin's over the hill, how, how did he produce what he produced in the last few rounds of the second fight if he's done? Now you could say maybe that those two fights, the Derevchenko fight, which he got you know damaged a lot into, um, you could say he now looks older, like he looks uh, faded, no doubt. But that's the point. You can't – people were doing this with Adrian Broner too. Now, see, I didn't see what people were talking about with Broner at all because I saw him on a – I'll never forget this, on a, on a Friday night fight, outdoor fight. He almost got outboxed by a pretty good fighter, but a guy that shouldn't be on his level if – Broner's supposed to be Broner. I always thought Broner was a little overrated. Now, 130, 135, when he come at you, that dude was a beast. At 130, 135, I don't think he was overrated. Him jumping up is what where he got the problems, you know. Um, and also, you know, the lack of discipline once he was up there. That, that, that plays into it. So, I like what I see out of Boots way more, or not way more, but more than I like out of Broner. But yeah, he's overrated right now because He's got to beat Ugas or Spence or Crawford. He gotta, he's got to fight him. So he, he needs the opportunity, no doubt about it. That's true. But to sit there and say he washes all these dudes, 
you got to let the fights happen, too. So don't get too personal about what Porter said, because it is true. Technically speaking, he's overrated right now based off his resume. Project all you want, but, you know, he's not a pound-for-pound fighter right now. Just to give you a little bit more detail, the two-fight offer, this is Eddie, or, uh, well, it's Eddie Hearn uh, telling Mike Coppinger. Um, it's the deal's worth upwards of $85 million guaranteed. Alvarez is also, so that's for two fights. And Alvarez is also mulling over a, a $45 million uh, offer to fight Charlo. Uh, he could revisit Charlo if the deal falls apart in the 11th hour, making it seem intimate. You know, intimate. Um, so Demetri Bivol would be May 7th at 175. Then he'd go down, back down to 68 to fight the Lovekin. Um, no agreement yet. Canelo and Triple G have to win because Triple G still has the fight. That who knows? He's been out of the ring for a while. Right? He's definitely been out of the ring for a while. So, you know, in his last bigger fight, he didn't look good. Argue with you majorly if you thought Derevchenko won the fight. But I I think he did inch it out, uh, Golovkin. But whatever, you know. It is what it is. Um, So it looks like they're going to, you know, that Tokyo fight that got delayed, they're going to try to do that in the spring, it sounds like, in April or something like that. Um. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Uh, but, yeah, that, that's what he's mulling over. He went on to say that overall it could be 100, worth $100 million both fights because, obviously, you know, there's that good love kid. You know, they're going to lose money on the on the, uh, on the Bibble fight. That's just facts. I mean, if you're going to give him uh, whatever it would be, for, would it be the same? I mean, I doubt it would be the same. If it's 85, what would that be, like 35 and then? the rest would be for Golovkin or would it be both you know 42 and a half million for both but then there'd be more possibly upside on the pay-per-view you know off of Golovkin which I do think that would be the case you know for sure on that um so yeah we'll see this was actually um confirmed um on Chicken Talk which is a new newer platform on Twitter, shouts out to Lazy in the in the bunch, Ray and all everybody. Uh, Danny's manager confirmed that Daniel and I say Danny's manager, Daniel Roman, Danny Roman is going to fight Stephen Fulton. That's going to happen May or June. The mandatory. That's a damn good fight. MJ fought Roman, and that was a really close fight. So. I'm looking forward to that, no doubt about it. Um, let's see here. So right now, I'm, my switchboard, right now I can't unmute you, Portland. So let's wait a little bit and see. I'm, I'm, I got, I'm getting help, and I'm going to refresh it a couple times and see. Otherwise, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get you in because I, my switchboard's like frozen right now. Um, but I think I'll be able to get you in. We'll see. Um, what other news is there? I think that's it. Because uh, we talked about, um, oh, it, it sounds like Shakur Stevenson and Oscar Valdez will, the fight will happen. Valdez signed, got his contract signed. It sounds like uh, Shakur Stevenson has signed it now. Um, it, the sources say it's about $3 million for Stevenson 
um, like a little over three million, and in the range two point five in the range for Valdez. So they're paying them healthy, that's for sure. Um, what else we got here? I think. Oh, there is some news. That's right. Uh, this was this is kind of interesting because Disdone was bidding to buy P- BT Sport, and wasn't it like? Don't quote me here, but wasn't like eight hundred million or six hundred million or some kind of big ass number? And the biggest thing about getting BT Sport was the football over there. That was the biggest thing. Well, they ended up not getting it. The BT Group has been trying to find a buyer and partner for its pay TV unit, BT Sport, for at least ten months. Uh, every everyone from DAZN to Walt Disney Company, Amazon, Discovery, all were there trying to bid on it. Um, so it goes on to say for much of the bidding process, um, the, the zone, the, was widely reported as the person who here, not the outlet, not the person, the platform that would win it. Um, the BT has been trying to, oh wait, that's the same thing. Yeah. So he was getting, I, I just missed it. Okay. Uh, such what, oh, this is kind of a weird, I don't know if this is true, but if it is, wow, what the hell. Such was the confidence with the zone camp. One executive was even spotted playing Township, a farming stimulation game, a meeting with BT at Goldman Sachs Group, Inc., according to people familiar with the matter, uh, who, you know, was asked to be private about this. I don't know if that's true. We do hear sometimes negotiation, extra stuff. That may be bullshit. But in the end, BT lost confidence in the zone's bid, uh, the people said. After a bout of last-minute negotiations, BT revealed on Thursday that it would pursue a joint venture with a rival bidder, U.S. Entertainment Group Discovery, which would combine it with Eurosport UK, um, which is a big thing for them. And the, the, like I said, the U.K. Premier League and Champion uh, League for the soccer, that's the crown jewel of it, and that would have been huge uh and, you know, it recently won major sports right deals in Germany, Italy, and Spain. They say it recently. That was zone. It did really good there. Um, but, yeah, it sounds like they did not get it. Um, deliberations continued until late on Wednesday. The people familiar with the matter said following Discovery's offer, zone considered raising its stages of negotiations in an effort to save the deal. But ultimately, you know, it, 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 it failed. That would have been a, a big game changer for the zone in the UK. If you can get the top two soccer, football, uh, you know, leagues, that would be crazy. Unfortunately, they didn't get it. Unfortunately for them, obviously, because that would have been to have soccer and boxing all in one, the top levels. Uh, that would be huge. That would be huge. Um. There was a little bit more uh, DAZN proposed deal to buy BT is now off, says the chair, DAZN chairman Kevin Mayer, um, says the deal became uneconomical for DAZN. BT Sport have confirmed they are in talks with Discovery, blah, 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 yeah. So it just got too much, which, you know, I get it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I totally get that. Okay. Let's go to boxing Twitter. Like I said, uh, Portland, I'm definitely not leaving you out to, to, to – oh, okay, you're busy at work. Okay, so that's cool. All right, cool. 
I was going to say, I'm not quite sure why it's not on mute. But anyway, um, Sonny Edwards signed with uh, Probellum, another fighter signing with this uh, Middle East uh, operation. Going to fight these fighters all over the world. Dubai is a huge base there. Obviously, you know, we know who's behind that. Um, not just Richard Schaefer, by the way. Oh, this is Marquise. He he had a good, he had a really good tweet. I get more mailings on pro bellum fighters being signed than actual fight cards in, in this weird boxing arms race. Here's the, some more fight announcements with the 100s uh, signing here. Yeah, that's true. There is so many of them. Um, we'll see if they land big big name fighters. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. Um, oh, here's Boots. Boots had something to say about Sean Showtime uh, Porter. He tweeted this. I heard Porter said I was overrated. You was just saying I'm ready, or you're saying I'm ready and too much for these guys. And you said you won't fight me, but keep that same energy, though. If I'm so overrated, come out of retirement, fight me. Now people retire, and I'm, now people retire and I'm overrated. So he's basically saying, hey, you were saying it's going to be trouble, and now you're saying you're overrated. And I think it's somewhere in between there. You know what I mean? It is somewhere in between there because, you know, it's true, you know, in many ways he's overrated right now, but it doesn't mean, you know, he, he is going to project that. Um, this is uh, Lefty. I say it all the time and we'll say it again. It's interesting when certain media folks understand what's good business for these networks and promoters, and suddenly it's not about the best fighting the best or a fighter earning the fight. So true, so true. If you have to try to create value for a fighter with Google charts or whatever else, you're reaching. And that should tell you all you need to know. Money made by the fighter and actual value to a promoter are two different things. That's very true. That's very true. Same fans that are saying Haney shouldn't get a Cambosis fight because he doesn't generate revenue are also upset with PBC executives for saying, well, not executives saying Crawford doesn't deserve that or, you know, that fight can't happen because it's not, it won't generate enough revenue for both of them. The duality of boxing. That's very true. So Haney can't get the Cambosis fight because it doesn't generate revenue. But how dare you say that about Crawford because it doesn't. And when we say it, it, all these fights generate revenue. It just doesn't line up with what you pay them. Here's a good tweet. Teddy Atlas didn't even cover Bam. Bam Rodriguez, the the biggest standout of the day on Saturday, period, point blank. He was Jesse Bam Rodriguez. Get to know him. Teddy Atlas on his podcast, I'm presuming, didn't even cover Bam, he said, or the Eubank fights on his podcast. Just the Fox pay-per-view, the UFC, and he had a segment for Joe Rogan. He's a casual man. We can't take him serious. That's true, though. If you don't if you do a boxing podcast, whether it's boxing in UFC or whatever, you got a Joe Rogan segment to give your thoughts on what he said, you know, all those N-bombs, or not M-bombs, but the real thing. But then you're not going to talk about Bam Rodriguez? He's, he's, uh, it is what it is. It is what it is. Um, so another thing that makes no sense, 
Dan said DeZone does not want to pay for Haney and Cambosis, then why the F is DeZone letting Eddie pay him three to five million for a fight? That doesn't even, you know, add up. That's true. That's true. And uh, for quite some time, you know, they, they, we've known that DeZone USA, Matchroom USA, this was talked about on uh, Chicken Talk lately, too. We've talked about it here, too, that they – saw Haney as a future star, and so they decided to invest pretty heavily in him. But the DAZONE USA, Matchroom DAZONE USA, obviously, I mean, remember, we went how long without one last summer? In May, when um, Haney fought Linares, we didn't get one all summer from DAZONE USA. So they went big, but the platform here, especially without Canelo, but even with Canelo, they didn't. Um, they never got over a million subs. So that's a good point. I know. I know what you're saying. It's like, damn, if you pay someone three or four or five million for a fight, then why don't you, you know, want to pay for the whole thing? Well, some of that is him being a free agent, right? Like I mentioned, some of it is the zone not being able to buy the whole fight and control where the fight's going to be at the platforms and where it's going to stream. That goes back to, hey, dude, if they're going to buy the fight, they kind of have a lot to say. If they're putting up the money, that's what happens. Okay, here's the Canelo hater. Whoa, Eddie Renoso reveals Canelo will only fight a 40-year-old Triple G again if he moves up to 168. Biggest cherry picker in boxing history. Canelo too scared to fight a 40-year-old at his natural weight class. (laughs) Well, first of all, Canelo already said he's not going down to 160. He said he can't make the the weight anymore, no matter who he's fighting. Okay? So that's first of all. Second of all, he fought two times. He fought um, Golovkin at his natural weight, middleweight. And remember, Golovkin and his side were the ones saying, we'll fight anyone from 54 to 68, and they didn't move anywhere. Why didn't Golovkin go down to 155 and fight? You know, it's in fight Canelo. He was offering the fight for him down there. <laughs> so it's just more nonsense. It's more nonsense. Oh, here we go. American fighters are a pain. They duck and duck and cut, corner themselves like Charlo just to avoid. So Charlo didn't, he wanted to avoid fighting Tim Zhu. You know, it's funny. Tim Zhu was a, a man is a mandatory for Castaño. So I'm pretty sure that's it. I'm pretty sure he's – maybe I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure that's it for Castaño. But anyway, he want, he's going to avoid Castaño and fight – or fight Castaño and, and you're going to avoid Casa Zou, who he's also – he's also afraid, this guy says, of Castaño, even though he's given him a, re, a, a direct rematch after the first fight. And they're fighting in L.A., not Houston, like they were planning on. Let me get this straight. He's afraid of Tim Zhu. He won't fight him. He's avoiding him. He's going to avoid him to fight the more experienced Castaño that some people thought he'd beat him, who he's also afraid of. Yeah, he's so afraid of, he's going to fight in the Staples Center. Come on, guys. Who hates it worse to the breadbasket, Keith? Or Koba. <laughs> yeah, Thurman or Kovalev. Yeah, no shit. Both of them uh, do not like that breadbasket. 
The former at this is Fred. The former athletic writers used to crawl up their own ass about Al Heyman not giving them interviews. Yet nothing but praise for Kinahan, who is on a no-fly list with the U.S. government, the state of boxing writers. Yeah, you seen Kinahan do all these interviews? Why, why aren't we worried about Kinahan? Well, because he can't come back to Ireland because he he can't be in the country. So it is kind of funny how a guy that is allegedly, you know, the operator, allegedly the operator of a major, major Irish mob. Some people estimated, you know, a billion-dollar mob. I don't know if it's a hundred million, whatever. But the point is, you know, the the criminal was Al Heyman. You know, for any this is Keith Eidick, and I think we'll probably close on. Uh, for anyone in need of clarification, Canelo versus Bibble and Canelo Golovkin 3 will be pay-per-views. You're not getting it for your subscription, so yes, the company promoter that touted death to pay-per-view will do back-to-back pay-per-views to return, to get a return on their investment. It's the only way. And that's, you know, I tried to tell people that um, long ago. Some of us did, and people just wouldn't listen. It's it's the nature of it, dude. They're not just in the business of throwing away money. And they did throw a bunch of money, not just at Canelo, but at Golovkin. They paid $10 million for that. They overpaid like crazy, and it didn't get them enough to pay out. So that's why even the some of the head executives for the zone said, we're not going to you know have as much investment all around in the zone USA. Now, getting Canelo back on, I do want to see what they do with these pay-per-views. I'm not sure, uh, Josue from Portland. I don't know if you were here before, but I'm thinking, because when they did, you know, the Canelo fights, two of them had a pay-per-view option, but, you you know, it was in your sub. These aren't going to be in your sub, but I wonder if they give the zone, if you get like three months of the zone for free. Because what we should do is cancel the zone, Buy the pay-per-view for Canelo and then see if we can get three months, whatever offer they're going to give. Because it's like, well, if you're going to do pay-per-views, then the bang for the buck you were talking about isn't as much as you were talking about. So I'm a, in two months, I'm going to re-up my $100. That's what I just assumed. But if, if that's not the scenario, it makes me wonder, you know, well, what are you going to give us? If you're going to charge pay-per-view because you're the one that said pay-per-view is dead and you'll never do a pay-per-view, blah, 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 are you going to do it like you did before? And like I said before, it was different because you could get it. uh, If you had a subscription, you got Canelo Fights. They just put that option out there where some people don't want to sign up for 20 bucks or 100 bucks. They just want to buy the pay-per-view and do one night. So that's what that option was there for. But they offered... I think the first one literally was four months free on the zone. Well, are they going to give us a zone deal? Because otherwise, are they going to make people sign up pay per view and then, you know, I don't know. Because ESPN Plus, you got to sign up. If you've already signed up, the pay per views are a little cheaper. So I'm not sure how they're going to work this. Obviously, they got to close this deal. I mean, you know, we've seen deals fall through before, but the way it's 
the way it's talked about and being reported and then literally show Showtime buying uh, the Spence Ugas and they're going to do a that's obviously a pay-per-view. My guess is that it's going to be uh, a disown. You know, this this two-fight deal is going to happen. And hey, Bibble and Golovkin, like I said, I know there's a lot of negativity with the Golovkin fight. I, for one, will not be giving that negativity. I will not do it. Now, hopefully, they actually did this for his first or second fight. Technically speaking, I don't know if they'll do it, but they did put Canelo's fights, two of them, I think, or at least one of them, in the movie theater. So maybe I can get a little discount movie theater action. I don't know. I like watching them on the big screen. Anyway, I'm going to get out of here. Um, I think I covered pretty much it. I did get a couple more messages talking about, oh, where's your pay-per-view segment? You said you had this pay-per-view segment. You know, you, you can't prove that the pay-per-views, you know, the pay-per-view numbers are way worse now than they ever been. And, and HBO and others would never put anything on that didn't do, you know, 300000 and above. I'm not going to talk about – we already talked about this fucking pay-per-view. You have I've, – I've, the list I got of fighters of fights that were under 200,000 or even on pay-per-view is going to shock some of you. But keep sending the hate mail. That's cool. Keep saying, I don't, you know, I'm just talking shit. You don't know what you're talking about. That's bullshit. You know, no, no one's had basically like it, these 100,000, 150,000 pay-per-views just started with like Crawford and Postal and that type of thing is basically what they're saying. So they just turned up as a Manny Pacquiao or Floyd fight, and they don't know what the hell they're talking about, basically. They don't know Oscar De La Hoya did two fights that were under 300000 You know, they think every everything was over a million. The only way you could do pay the only thing that should be on paper was over a million. Well, you know, this is an ongoing cycle, and I'm just documenting that they're doing it to us again. The monthly pay-per-views. They're doing it to us again. That's what I'm documenting. I'm not saying which is better, which is worse. I'm seeing it all over again is my point. And you just haven't been here long enough watching the sport. Welcome to the sport. Love you. Casual, cool. That's cool. Hardcore now. Used to be a casual. Whatever. Whatever it is. But what I do know is in 2006, HBO did 10 pay-per-views. And one of them did around 100000 So... This has been done before. I mean, the UFC has been doing monthly pay-per-views since, like, the late 2000s. So that's what I'm saying. I'm saying here we fucking go again. I'm not just going to blame, oh, only PBC has ever done this. That's bullshit, dude. There's a bunch of fights in the history of boxing that shouldn't have been on pay-per-view, like we just said this last week. Okay? Keep sending the messages. Keep hating. You know, we know you love Eddie Hearn. I like him as a promoter, but he's a promoter. So his word is not bond all the time because he's a fucking promoter. You know, it's okay. You know, but keep talking about it. Keep keep sending the mail. You're right. The segment will never happen, okay? It will never happen, even though I have a long list of pay-per-views that you'll probably just tune out that show. 
Anyway, I'm going to get out of here. Enjoy the fight this weekend. It's literally one fight that I'm really interested in, in the, in the crossroads fight between Daniel Jacobs and John Ryder. All right, let's hope we get a good fight. Be back next week. Peace out. Thank you, Jake, Jake Donovan. Thanks, uh, Josue, for listening and everybody else. Press one next time, folks. That did come new this time. I'm out. Peace. Once you become the world champion, I believe that you feel you have the upper hand. So now, when as you fight, let's say you fight four or five years of straight survival, of the bullshit, of the whole bag, and when you become the world champion, you're like, you know what? That made it. I'm going to show you it's this. So I'm going to get any, every dollar worth.